Behold, behold, behold the pale podcast. I don't have to tell you things are bad. Everybody knows things are bad. It's a depression. Everybody's out of work or scared of losing their job. The dollar buys a nickel's worth. Banks are going bust. Shopkeepers keep a gun under the counter. Punks are running wild in the street. There's nobody anywhere who seems to know what to do, and there's no end to it. We know the air is unfit to breathe, and our food is unfit to eat. We sit watching our TVs while some local newscaster tells us that today we had 15 homicides and 63 violent crimes, as if that's the way it's supposed to be. We know things are bad, worse than bad. They're crazy. It's like everything everywhere is going crazy, so we don't go out anymore. We sit in the house, and slowly the world we're living in is getting smaller, and all we say is, please, at least leave us alone in our living rooms. Let me have my toaster and my TV and my steel-belted radios, and I won't say anything. Just leave us alone. Well, I'm not going to leave you alone. I want you to get mad. I don't want you to protest, I don't want you to ride, I don't want you to write to your congressman because I wouldn't know what to tell you to write. I don't know what to do about the depression and the inflation and the crime in the street. All I know is that first, you've got to get mad. You've got to say, I'm a human being, God damn it. My life has value. My life has value. My life has value. Behold the Pale Podcast. Welcome back. To another episode of Behold, 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 a Pale Podcast. <laughs> oh my! What was that I heard? What did I hear out there in the in the darkness? That's that's the Pale Horseman. Step into Nay, the light so I can the see you. <laughs> You're out of control. I'm out of control. Yes, I am. You are. You need to be locked up in a cage, uh, given maybe seven to eight shots a day, so you can sleep for maybe twenty-seven of the twenty-four hours, and you know we'll get you a nice cotton pillow, softer than than angels' wings. You know what I mean? Get you a nice little bed. We can get you those. Uh, get you nice, sexy. Those sexy handcuffs. You used to get them at Spencer's. These ones will be all white. And it won't like be as puffy, like but that. they'll be kind of the same thing so you don't hurt yourself. We don't I, want I, you I, hurt I, yourself. I love those handcuffs, man. I we love those. Those handcuffs are the corniest things I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> when I seen them as a little boy going into Spencer's gift shop, you see those 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 hand those leather Fluffy handcuffs. Yeah. They could be broken so easily, I'm sure. Yeah. I prefer um, government issue police handcuffs when I when I get kinky. <laughs> I like uh, the idea. I like the idea that if somebody's heart explodes in the middle of sex, the other one has to stab to death. I like the I like the extreme. I like the extreme vibe of that. You know what I mean? And nothing, nothing gets me more turned on. It's it's kind of like when people choke themselves out a little bit, get close to death. It's kind of it's like taking the risk without actually having to you know choke yourself out type deal because you yeah. know a little bit of Gerald's game all tied in, right? I know. Yeah. I know. Stephen King has copyright issue with the, with our show already. Uh, you said that movie was good, right? Didn't you watch that? I didn't watch it. I heard that. I got uh, conflicting reports. There are some that said it was pretty good. Others said that eh, it wasn't that good. I mean, I I I didn't see it, so I couldn't tell you. Yeah. Well, I'm not with you. Ray, how you doing over there? You doing all right? I'm doing all right. 
Just all right? Much better. <laughs> you got me with that right there. That was the, the best line of the week right there. You know, uh, Boombastic Media Network. Woo! Been, been going hard in the paint, heavy duty. Um, for anybody out there that doesn't follow the other shows that we do out there, um, we, we've, we've got a few messages uh, recently from the old, the old fans of Behold, a pale podcast out there. Um, they get upset that there's not as many episodes as they would like. Um, we tell them, no, need not worry. We, we, tr- we do so many shows, we try to get them out to you at least twice a month. Uh, anybody out there that uh, cannot wait that long, there are um, other shows that you can find with us gentlemen and some gentle ladies on that is kind of, you know, made up of the same people so you can get the same vibe. Those shows would be, you know, the Boombasticast, um, just Boombasticast, you know, B-O-O-M-B-A-S-T-I-C-A-S-T. And then we have Mostly Ghostly, you know, paranormal type show. Boombasticast is more of a pop culture TV, fun comedian, you know, all that good stuff. And there's also Shock Treatment with Mel and Maddie, horror culture and all that good stuff. But yeah, I've been hearing from folks that uh, they miss us too much while we're gone, gentlemen. So in the meantime, when we can't be banging out episodes uh, as much every day like we would love to, you know, catch some of those other shows to stay, get your fix, if you will. And uh, always no more shows are coming. We have no intention of ever quitting the show unless we are X'd out, which at that point, we ain't going to give a fuck about no show anyways. <laughs> so with, with that being uh, said, we're going to we're, we're, we're going to jump into our topic you know, uh, the theme of this episode, it's kind of reoccurring where we had an X'd Out whistleblower episode in the past. This episode's going to focus on X'd Out scientists, you know what I mean? Um, some of those scientists that were fighting the good fight, maybe just a little too hard, a little too heavy in the paint, and um, the people that they were fighting against didn't really appreciate the fight, you know what I mean? So they said, we're going to do you a favor, you don't gotta, you don't got to fight no more. Put down your weapons, you don't got to fight no more. And they uh, hooked them up with the vacation, the big permanent vacation, like Aerosmith, you know what I mean? Um, it appears that there's nothing safe about being a research scientist when the New World Order is looking over your shoulder. Would you gentlemen agree with a statement like that? I think I think it's a believable, believable thing. Yeah. Oh, I I would I would say uh, to yeah, I would say it is. It is it is true, depending upon who you're going to piss off and how much power they really have, whether they're going to what they're going to do to shut you up. Yeah, I mean we've seen numerous numerous things uh, in situations like this. I heard that there was a there was a Kobe theory. We're going to do an episode later uh, later in the future on when I get the full facts down. Get good good time to research it out. But there's a Kobe theory that he was in the middle of a big pharma lawsuit, and uh, people speculate that his uh, his accident might not have been an accident if you gentlemen pick up what I'm putting down. You know what I mean? Um, you know, there are many conspiracy theorists who believe that numerous research scientists in a wide variety of fields have been murdered in recent years because they were going to act as whistleblowers regarding... 
the character and direction being taken by their company's biological warfare research. Nuclear devices or missiles. Uh, some of the scientists were opening up new areas of promising research regarding alternative energy sources. Some conspiracy theorists, truthers, uh, they set the body count of scientists who have met strange and bizarre, untimely, horrifying um, deaths at a 90 or more. You know, percent, that's, 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 that's darkness. Uh, as with all body counts, you know, uh, you know, 90, 90 folks been killed off, you know, in the first episode, we kind of talked about the period of time that it happened over, which the numbers aren't with me at this moment, but I remember the period of time, um, it was, it was a little, 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 little suspicious. I mean, people die. That's the thing we always have to take in, in, in the consideration, you know, um, uh, me and Ray, uh, just sat down with Eileen Dietz, uh, from The Exorcist, uh, we're talking about, she did a cameo in our film, GPS. Um, is there something beeping over there, gentlemen? Uh, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. The porn, your porno video is finished uploading, Alexander. <laughs> Fuck you. So we had Eileen, we had, <laughs> we had Eileen on the show and she was talking about, you know, with The Exorcist, how The Exorcist has claims of all the, um, you know, the curse, because people died on it. Her claim was that it, you know, they shot for, was it 14 months or something weird like that, like a long, and they're like, you know, people are going to die over a, a long period of time, you know, and it's true. So you, you don't really quite know where, where you know, where, where, where to let that fall with uh, it being questionable or just kind of the life events, you know, the way that they, the way they, uh, they, they go out. But, you know, as with all body counts or deathless, uh, there's an encyclopedia of conspiracies and secret societies. We add to our disclaimer that many of our individuals on such lists may have suffered from long-term illnesses, met their demise in accidents, totally devoid of nefarious circumstances, or committed suicide by their own free, uh, all, all, but albeit troubled, will. Uh, but by the same token, you know what I mean? Because, like I said, you know, death happens every day. By the same token, you know, researchers remind us that the secret government uh, and the de developed means of making murders appear to be deaths due to natural causes or accident. Uh, some of these methods are designed to be able to avoid detection in autopsies and post-mortem uh, post examinations. A classified CIA assassination manual states that a contrived accident, in parentheses, is the most effective technique of secret assassination. An example of an efficient technique uh, is a fall of 75 feet or more onto a hard surface. Others insidious techniques involve the injection of cancer cells, heart attack inducements, uh, and ab absorptions, uh, absorptions, uh, absorptions of deadly untraceable poisons. There are some deaths on these lists that do seem quite suspicious, but uh, that's up for your opinion, so we're going to roll through a list. Um, I've heard about weird things. You guys ever hear about, the, you know, how the, the, about things like uh, giving you cancer through a, a shot? You know, Easy e they claimed that the Easy e thing, he was given AIDS through a needle, and that's why it took him so quick. 
um, real weird stuff, but like it's not too hard to wrap your, your brain around it. What's your take on the, you know, I know there was even Kubrick theories that after Kubrick, I don't know if you guys ever heard this, but there was a big, you know, little conspiracy theory that after Stanley Kubrick died, um, that it was, you know, Eyes Wide Shut was very Illuminati-like, very secret society-like. Um, maybe people know about it, but maybe, you know, he didn't blow the door open on it. But, you know, we're talking about this movie came out 20 years ago. This, this movie came out quite a bit, a while, quite a while ago when you think about it. Um, talking about some serious subjects. Now, there's people that claim that he was giving some, given some type of heart attack-induced thing. I've heard that claim. I don't know if I put my faith in that, but I've heard that claim. So what's you guys' take on the fact that they can, I know that even like a syringe full of air, um, which you could buy air at the corner store for a nickel, (laughs) but a a syringe of air could give someone a heart attack just getting into their veins. So what's your take on, you know, powers that be using these techniques to kill people off? Yeah. I mean, I mean, if I, the best kind of death is one that doesn't raise suspicions. And if you're dealing with definitely powerful people and and people who want to get rid of other people uh, without, you know, uh, like I said, raising any eyebrows or, um, you know, getting any uh, unwanted eyes on what happened, there's a lot of different ways, and I'm sure there's even ways that that we probably would never know uh, unless you're actually looking for the agency. Um, now, I do believe I have heard that if you inject like an air bub- a bubble into like a vein or something, and it, it travels to the heart, it can give you a heart attack. Where'd you hear that? Uh, it's. I'm joking. I, I, I'm joking. I, I said it. I said it thirty seconds ago. I'm joking. Yeah, but I mean, I be, yeah. Even before you said it, I I heard it, it's stuff that you hear and see in like TV shows and all that. Look, it makes Whether, sense because you got like all these James Bondy gadgets and stuff and yeah. CIA and all that, and it's like if they were writing about stuff like this, you know, forty, fifty years ago, then of course they're doing it. If you if you wanted to get some, you know, you wanted people to go away. It's one yeah. of those things where probably it was probably stuff that was a lot harder to get your hands on back in the day. Um, probably well, not, less harder to get your hands on now. But yeah, I did. I definitely think it's a, t- a, t- uh, a tactic, you know. In the same way, and I'll say this real quick and let you go back. In the same way that I say the future of war is um, weather machines and sickness, where they'd drop a COVID on a country and kill a bunch of people, or they'd drop they'd have. You know, they would manipulate the weather to earthquake under the ocean at a certain point to have a tidal wave wipe out, you know, any a coast. Like, I think that's kind of the future of war. And, this, and that's kind of along the same vibe with this thing of these these techniques of, you know, Kalinsky, a character Hawkman's played, mm-hmm. DJ Stan, the man was named after him, the cyanide technique. He'd roll up on you and blow cyanide in your face and give you give you 10 minutes and you'd be fucking dead because, you know, you'd breathe it in or drop it on your hand and it would absorb into your skin, you know. It's all, uh, I'm sure he got that technique from, from the government, you know what I mean? Like reading up on how they take mm-hmm. care of, uh, you know, infidels and yeah. all that well, crazy I'm- stuff. 
I mean, I mean, it's it's funny because I mean, uh, like going back to yeah, you watch like the old James Bond uh, uh, films, and they have yeah. like a crazy thing like a knife in the shoe or right. you know poison cigars and that kind of stuff, and then. Uh, I think it was like within the last ten years, I saw like a a uh, one of those uh, shows where they uh, talk about different um, weapons of different eras, and and they actually talked about the CIA and the KGB about their their different techniques, and they're pulling out all these gadgets that you see in James Bond, and I'm like, oh, okay, I thought they just made this shit up, but, you know, they actually had these gadgets and actually used them. Now, I mean, the real question is how effective they are, and most importantly, uh, whether you can find traces of these on an autopsy. And, uh, but then again, if you are so well connected with the government and everything, you know, it doesn't matter whether it comes up in the autopsy, you just... You know, have you guys, you know, put a little pressure on the uh, attending physician and then, you know, all of a sudden everything's ruled uh, accidental death or, you know, of natural causes? Yeah. What do you think, Brad? Well, if you, if you take a look at the fact that they actually have manuals about it, then, yeah, they do it. Right. And the, what, I want the that manual the- framed, you know. <laughs> The ways of doing it have become much more sophisticated, obviously, with uh, what they've learned in science. I, I agree that, uh, yeah, you can buy the doctor or put your own doctor in there to make it look like it's uh, an accident. Uh, science today has eliminated, you know, a couple of the simpler ways to do it. You know, someone has a heart condition and they smoke, you just uh, slip them a little bit of extra nicotine. That can kill you, send your heart over the edge. Right. But... They pick that up in the bloodstream nowadays, so that's not any good anymore. I mean, there, there are different ways of uh, doing it. And, yeah, governments have been doing it to each other and to people for a long time. Just about everybody's on medication, so, like, for something. So if, if somebody, if, if, if powers that be, really, they could, they could have anything cut into your pill. Yeah. Well, let, let's say you have someone that's on a... Uh, not feeling good, they have a strong antihistamine yeah. they're taking for a cold. Start feeding them drinks. The alcohol and antihistamine together, if their heart's not perfect, it'll stop it. And nothing will show up because they were taking an antihistamine and they had drinks. So there's all these different things and, yeah, if you take a look at history, uh, stuff that whether it's the elite or whether it's governments or whatever have done to protect themselves and to get power, oh yeah, they do it. I've got no doubt they do it. Yeah, yeah. And to go back to what the Hawk said about the the autopsy stuff, I know from with cyanide, I know that you know there, there's doses that are enough to kill you, but but also not enough to show up in your autopsy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, cyanide's in weird places too. There's a fruit that cyanide is in the seed of. I'm not going to go deep into, but um, it's kind of interesting. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, there's the truth is that there's so many different ways of getting rid of somebody. Uh, and we could spend, you know, hours, years, days, you know, discussing all the different possible ways of getting rid of somebody. 
and and of course different things you know some leave telltale signs and there's a lot that you know they they everything leaves a sign if you know what to look for right and the real question is whether the person whose job is to look for those signs is either uh, not looking as hard because, well, they're overworked, they have so many bodies coming in and out of the morgue, or they're just lazy, or maybe they're paid off, or maybe it's just, you know, um, other things like that where, you know, you know put a little pressure on, on, on some people and, you know, they just... You know, just rush uh, an autopsy through without uh, doing due diligence. It's a job, too. You know what I mean? It's one of those things, yeah. no matter how respectful it looks, the job looks, whoever's doing it, is you know, it's going to be eventually turned into a job to them. You know, something yeah. it's a burden and they don't want to do, you know. So they're not think- gonna, they don't care sometimes. Yeah. yeah. Well, actually, it was funny because um, to make a actually a connection – to uh, I don't know if any of you guys ever watched uh, 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 last week tonight uh, with John Oliver. Yeah. Uh, he he did he did an episode talking about um, you know uh, uh, the different um, uh, people that uh, do like autopsies and all that. And actually, the scary thing is that majority of them don't have to be doctors. Most of them don't. Eat, I mean, uh, if if I remember correctly, he said that it, it, it's as easy as to you know get just like go online. It's like signing up to be a like a um, someone to you know officiate a wedding. You know, it's as easy as one, two, three. I want your knee, your spleen. We gonna be real mean, Alex. Have you ever wanted to be a mortician? No, no. You don't but, even need a degree, I hear. Yeah, well, well, anyway, I mean, the thing is, he did a whole whole um, uh, episode on it where, you know, you, you delve into some of these uh, places where, you know, they're understaffed or they don't have people that, you know, actually really know what they're doing. They just, you know, push these autopsies through. So and, cor- you're saying, so a coroner doesn't need any any real certification or like they probably need a certification I, but no real like uh i i it's it's either a coroner or there's there's another one there's i i forget the specifics because i i saw this thing like like 2 years ago the coroner ray the coroner is the person that does the autopsy right or is that no uh not sure i mean you usually have one medical examiner and okay. they're usually okay. a doctor yeah and then You'll have other you'll have other people in there, but they don't have to be doctors. They just need to get certified. Yeah, yeah, that's 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 exactly right. That I said that you know uh, you can get certified as a coroner, but I don't think you need a medical degree to do that. And and uh, when he did the piece, he went in and and did some uh, research where you know there, there's coroners that you know don't even have. Uh, the the uh, either they don't have the funding to actually like take care of the bodies, have them cold and all that, and then of course uh, there are those that 
you know, just don't do it because they're siphoning off the money for themselves. And so, I mean, all you have to do is you have to find, you can easily find either a, um, you know, a shady uh, corner or just a lazy corner, which both yeah. of those would be easy to do and just make sure the body goes to them and, you know, whether, you know, whether uh, it uh, has any evidence or not, you know, doesn't matter. It After, like, a uh, few days of either not being put in, in the right uh, freezer temperature or something like that, you know, all that evidence just, you know, gets uh, corroded. Well, yeah, I remember a couple of years ago in Boston, um, there was, like, a drug chemist that was uh, worked for the courts that was supposed to test the drugs to make sure they were real drugs um, for the trials and to, to, to appear to work. There was a documentary on Netflix about it as well, but I remember it happening because I knew a dude that actually was involved in it um, that got, got, you know, he was lucky enough to get out, get out of trouble because this whole thing kind of br- broke out. But uh, yeah, she, but to get like, there was one that was just, was stealing the drugs and then I think replacing with fake. Yeah. And then there was one that was just saying that everything was drugs to be, get it done quick. So she would look like, you know, like a, you know, super, super, you know, super tester. Um, and they both got bopped for it. So like right there, right there, you know what I mean? Kind of the same deal. I remember that one, but I'd be curious if someone were to dig into, uh, let's say the scientist yeah. that on the list and then go back and see who did uh, the work, the, car- the coroner, medical examiner, whoever did it, find out and then try and trace and see whether, let's say they died within six months. Yeah. And how many of them and what way they died. Was it the same as the person or was it a weird accident? You know, all the uncooperative ones that thought about talking suddenly got taken out. I'd be curious to see uh, how much that plays into it too. If you're gonna if you're gonna cover, you might as well cover deep. You take out the person, you get somebody to do a favor, and then you take them out too. No one's gonna suspect that way. If you're worth your weight in Illuminati robes, you should be able to know the right people to not have to worry about that. If you're getting the deed done, you should be able to pay off or. Uh, influence the right person that's doing that test to give it the give it the check instead of the circle. You know what I mean? I, I think yeah, I, I agree with that. I also think there's a certain level of paranoia that uh, maybe to keep people in line, or maybe after a while you think someone has too much information, you get the person who's doing the dirty deed for you. Also, you do them. Yeah. Dirty deeds done dirt. Yeah, no, no loose ends. No loose ends. You see, I happen to, like, we're going to know a little later, but I happen, my, my, my beliefs, you know, like, I still think it goes on. Um, and my take on is, like, the people we don't hear about, the super important people that are that are developing stuff that maybe a handful of people know about. Like, that, I think that's more, that's more common if you have you have ten scientists doing that are the best ones in the world working on a project that that is curing cancer, if you will, you know what I mean, like legitimately, you know what I mean. Which we all know, cancer is big business. Unfortunately, a lot of money to be made by keeping people sick instead of healing, um, or keeping them at bay. 
um, with with that. So like, yeah, like one of those ten, if one of those ten people, you know, if there, if there was a situation going, and one of those ten scientists who followed this thing the whole way through. And now it fell into, you know, the wrong direction that it was going in. And he wasn't vibing with, you know, what he originally came on for. And now he's trying to say, you know, this isn't right. Like, that dude's definitely going to disappear. Like, there's no there's no shaking of the hand and saying, hey, it was nice you were involved with this big, gigantic thing that every that people would love to know about and love to be involved with. And we're just going to let you go. We know you're unhappy with what's going on. We're just going to let you leave and maybe tell everybody, maybe not. And, you know, like, I don't, I like it. In situations like that, yeah. Yes, Alex? Uh, well, uh, one thing I wanted to say is that, that not saying that they're above uh, the uh, doing the dirty deed and, and getting rid and rubbing out, but actually, what uh, probably most common, what they try to do first is to set it up that if they did go to the uh, press and all that, then no one would believe them. I mean, uh, ruin their reputation. That is, like, their biggest go-to for the most part. Because, I mean, well, I, I, I not saying that they, are, you know, have any moral high ground and they wouldn't, you know, rub someone out, but... I mean, if if you rub out too many people, you know, people are going to be asking. I mean, even if, you know, the people you're rubbing out, you don't have any, you know, huge, like, family connections or anything like that. When, when the body count starts to, you know, get a little too high or too frequent, you know, people, for the most part, you know, questions are raised. So the the thing is what they would do first would be is try to destroy their reputation, try to gaslight them, do that first. Yeah. So if they still keep on trying to raise the alarm and all that, then they take them out. Because at that time, everyone has just written them off as a crazy lunatic. And I'm sure it's very uncommon. You know, you're getting, you almost, you get into that business, you get into doing that research and stuff to, to get involved with stuff like that. And that's why I brought up the situation of the guy, you know, the program going in a different direction than why he started, because they all probably start for good reasons. But, like, eventually you kind of got to understand what's going on. And even if you're not with it, yeah, there is a fear element that comes in because the thing's so big, that's going to continue moving with or without you type deal. Um, and, like, if you know too much, yeah, I, I, like, I... I same thing with like the army, you know what I mean? Like for those people, when, when people know way too much, it's like, they definitely just don't, they de they definitely just go away. You know what I mean? Like it's too, yeah, you can say people might say their name when people come and come forward and say, Hey, you know, Oh, well they let them live because yeah, I guess they can say it, but who's going to believe them? One of those deals. But it's like, there's info out there that's so huge. I feel that, um, well, just yeah. just I mean, it being I, talked about would be is incredibly yeah. damaging. I mean, it, it depends on on the information. It depends on the situation. And like I said, I mean, I don't believe it's above any of them to, you know, uh, just rub someone out. Right. But I do believe as uh, probably the first tactic would be try to discredit them. Yeah, probably. And, because that would be the most uh, cost-effective and least amount of 
possibility of having any major, you know, reprisal. And the thing is that if they discredit someone enough that everyone thinks they're a lunatic, you know, a year or two down the line, if they really think that the person's going to uh, uh, be a problem, they can rub them out and no one's going to care because they're like, oh, it's the, it's the crazy Joe who, you know, lives down the street. Rub them out. You make it sound like a massage. You're so nice about things. Well, I'm sure... I- I, I believe in, 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 in letting people go to the hereafter in a nice, orderly fashion. You're a good man. You're a good man. I try. You're a good man like that. Yeah, I hear you. You know what I mean? It's a weird vibe. You know? Well, you know, it's, if you take a look at the military, they've been hiding stuff for years. You get 20, 30 years later, you get a hint of what went on. Right. So it's, uh, they do it. They're an arm of the government. The uh, military-industrial complex. Why wouldn't anybody else do it? Right, and I mean to go back to the hawk thing for two seconds. There are people that I bet don't get the don't get the um, the luxury of the, the the like the bribe off. Like how you said that they eventually yeah. come to you and say, because I'm sure it's eventually it's probably money bri- bribes at first. Where well, you know this thing, and then after that, it's. Uh, well, the threat, the threats of well, we can destroy your career, which is probably the nicest thing they can do to you is destroy your career. Yeah, and then destroy, destroy your family, destroy yeah. your family. You know what I mean? Um, and then kill, then killing you off. You know, and I, I don't know. I, I destroy, the family thing. I always feel is worse than death. Like people really tearing apart your family is worse than killing the person. Um, it, it's 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 definitely a weird vibe, but there's certain people that they know that they, they they couldn't even approach them with a threat. You know what I mean? That they just knew they probably had to just clip them. You know what I mean? If yeah. they know a personality of someone being stubborn or whatever and stuck in their ways, they're not gonna they're not gonna go. They're not gonna beat around the bush and cause the issue is they don't want people coming out, so they're not gonna. They're not going to put the vibe out there to let them be able to go do what they don't want them to do. They're either going to, if they think they can scare them is when they're going to hit, hit them with that career thing. But if they don't think that they, if they think that they're just fighting the good fight and they don't care if they're martyr type shit, then they, 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 they help them out with that martyr thing and, and hook them up. You know what I mean? I think that's kind of more of the deal. You guys, I would ta- yeah. I would take it an extra step and they're recruiting these people. Yeah. They, they know their psychology, they know their weaknesses, they know everything about them. So if it goes wrong, they know what they have to do with each one. Yeah. yeah so it's kind of like, you know, we can use this guy's talents, but he's a little list. Don't worry, we can shut him up this way. Okay, he's on the team. How about this guy? Uh, the value for the risk isn't worth it. We don't include him because he's hard to shut up and he'd be too obvious. I mean, th- there's got to be analysis that goes through the whole thing. Yeah, they also get a good vibe of what it'll take to put that person in their pocket. Yeah. Why they're there, like their reasons for wanting to be there and stuff. And, you know, they can pretty much just sum up what they're dealing with from the get-go. I don't think their attitudes would change that drastically, at least not for the better. I bet they would, they could dr- drastically change for the worse. But I don't see them drastically just waking up one day being like, maybe, I was, maybe I'm doing bad things, I should change my ways. People do, though, but, I mean, I don't think it's that common. Um, you guys want to start hopping into some of these scientists who got themselves X'd out for taking sure. the good rock? Yeah. yeah. All right, gentlemen. First up, we got our Frank Olson. 
November 1953, Olson worked for the CIA's Special Operations Division at Fort Detrick, Maryland, testing biological weapons. After attending a conference at Deep Creek Lodge in Western Maryland, he told his wife that he intended to quit his job with the CIA. In the early morning of November 29, 1953, Olson went through the window of a hotel room that he was sharing with Robert Lashbrook, a colleague. His death was ruled a suicide at the time. And not until 1975 did Olson's son, Eric, find out that his son's father uh, had been given LSD without his knowledge. Yeah, um, kind of a weird deal. This kind of taps into the whole thing of them experimenting with the LSD on people. What do you think? Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, they, they experimented. They wanted to know what they could do and how they could push it. Yeah. I mean, I mean, yeah, I mean the only thing, the question is whether um, it was part of an experiment or uh, a hit. I mean, it's with the CIA, anything's possible. I mean, maybe it was an experiment with the LSD that went wrong or it was planned. But if if he was planning on, you know, leaving, I would have to uh, err on the side of probably, you know, he was getting uneasy about what they were doing and and the easiest way was to strike him with LSD and, you know, let him go take a fly. When you say accident, did you mean like have it like they were partying and he and, and he died or? Well, no. I mean, the thing is, I mean, as I think Gray made a comment about is is that you know, I mean, during during uh, this time, there was a lot of experiments with LSD in like uh, the CIA and all that. Yeah, and te- testing right? it on people. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, the question is whether they were testing it on him. Whether it was with his knowledge, without his knowledge, or they, the the whole plan was give him some LSD to you know get rid of him, or whether it was just an experiment. I mean, during that time and with the CIA, anything was is possible. It's true, you know. Um, yeah, LSD was something they were trying out. Yeah. Um, it's one of those deals. It's very weird. I'd almost, it almost sounds like one of those things where they, they threw him out the window and the LSD was just a cover up because you know, that big claim of, Oh, he took eight, he took LSD and he fucking thought he could fly and jumped off of a roof. You know what I mean? So the LSD could almost be a cover up in his system. You know what I mean? You know, you, you can give it to him and then when he's out of it, you throw him out the window. Well, that's the thing. You can just eye drop it into his mouth or whatever. And we're talking about a time. We're also talking about a time when LSD was probably like pure and was really something. You know what I mean? Uh, on the mind. I don't know. Like if you were given LSD and not knowing that you were get, getting LSD, I feel like you would feel like you were probably lo- slowly losing your mind. You know what I mean? You would be like, why is my brain making me see things like this? You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, yeah, it might be strong enough so that which could be suicidal. Um, yeah, yeah, you, you, you know, you're seeing these things, and if they give you a big enough dose, I imagine you don't even ask yourself why is your mind seeing it. You're believing it. If you do, if you were dosing somebody, if you were dosing somebody without them knowing, and you could get in their head, get them depressed, let them think that. You know, if you get in their head and say, hey, you know, there's this thing going around, 
you know, a couple of the guys have got it. Let me know if you have it. Every, a couple times a week, they're for whatever reason, they're just like they're zoning out and their their vision's getting distorted. And this is happening, that's happening. It's the LSD effects, and he, they're leaking it to him, and they're telling him, you know, this is bad. Like if this starts happening, you let me know. Like this is really bad, and like he would have once you get these symptoms, he would eventually get worried, scared, angry, depressed, and then you could almost get somebody. Look at like a, a Robin Williams, you know what I mean? Where how Robin Williams, they say a big factor in his suicide was the fact that he had this disease and it was coming and he didn't want to deal with it. You know what I mean? And he and he was depressed about this. So like you look at somebody who goes, wow, like I'm having, I'm seeing these things and they take it as maybe the first signs of dementia or they're losing their mind. You know what I mean? That would make them almost, and if, if, if the people around them we're in their ear, putting them in a, a place of, you know, fuck, like, you know, secretly in this sub subliminally telling them they should kill themselves pretty much. You know what I mean? While giving them these doses, then, yeah, I, I could see something like that happen. I could also see them just ixnaying them off and then dosing them after the fact or even right before. Who knows? Um And just blame you kind of blaming the drug because that was a very blame the drug type of. Uh, time wasn't it right? Yeah, it, it was. I mean, I I think they could have, you know, given it to him, hide a mic in a in a room where he starts hearing things, and then just enter that room. And either if they're not going to throw him out the window, then just like scare him so much he just runs and doesn't realize where he's going because he's hallucinating. Who knows what? And uh, you know, boom, he's gone. That's one problem. Get the mic. We'll leave the room. They'll find the LSD. We're safe. Yeah, yeah, it's a real weird thing, you know. Uh, I know that they 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 tested LSD on like small towns, you know, where where they would just do give it to the people and see how society like put it in their water, if I remember correctly, in the water supply, and just kind of see how people would act. Um, yeah. So, like, I wouldn't be surprised, you know. It's almost like do they put it on? I assume they would give it to their own people. It's like are they are they doing it for the experiment? Are they doing it for the, the fun factor? You know, when Hawk brought up the, that's why I, I jumped to the fun factor of it, of when you, when you brought up that, the, 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 like the accidental type deal. It's like, it, it could be, you know, if it was, if it was rampant and everywhere, they could be handing it out like Tylenol, you know, you know, who knows? They could be handing out sheets of it. Who knows? I want to work for them. <laughs> well, also another thing is when, when you're dealing with, uh, the, the, you know, government with the military, uh, there's a lot of times where, I mean, from what I've, I've seen and heard is that, you know, I mean, if, if they give you a pill or something to take, you have to take it. Right. I mean, it's not like, oh, here's a pill. What is it? Like, well, you know, they're like, you have to take it. And then, you know, because of their position or, uh, um, the hierarchy of the situation, they, they take it without even at, uh, finding out what they're taking. I mean, people feel that way about the vaccine right now. Yeah, well, I mean, it's the thing is when it comes down to uh, things like that, unless you're actually there and see what's going on, I mean, there's so many possibilities that could be. Especially since, you know, you said that 
he was making comments to his wife about, you know, leaving the CIA. And, and the thing is that I'm sure there are those who have left the CIA and haven't had issues, but, uh, I always got the impression, uh, that when, when you're in, you're in for the long haul. And I, it, 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 just that, you know, an organization like that, that's all pretty much surrounded in secrecy and manipulation and, and all that, you know, anything is possible. Anything yeah. is possible. No, no, I hear you. Um, it's interesting, you know. You're you're an interesting guy, Alex. That's all really? I can say. I'm um, just speculating here. I I'm not part of the CIA. I don't know. No, you're an interesting guy, Alex. I don't know about you. Maybe you are. Maybe you're in. Maybe you're in there somewhere. You're an interesting. No, guy. no, I, I I I wouldn't last a day in that. Uh, I would lose my mind. Yeah. Maybe yeah. they'll take your mind. Yeah. They'll take they'll it. Probably take it. Suck it right on my forehead. Alien true. style. No, it's true. They're coming to get Alex Fox. So, uh, back to reality. You know, according to these theories, uh, the conspiracies, uh, researchers, uh, a literal epidemic of over two dozen mysterious deaths of scientists, experts, and recent uh, science graduates occurred in the 1980s at the Marconi and Plessy Defense Systems in the U.K., among those who died, uh, I'm going to be in this list that we roll through real quick. Uh, you know, Plessy Company is a British-based international electronics uh, and defense telecommunication company. They also do a lot of, like, war stuff, you know what I mean? Um, so that's, like, war scientifics, which you can understand people not wanting people to know about. It's one of them things, guys. So, first up, we have... Mr. Keith Bowden, March 1982, uh, a computer programmer and scientist at Exus University who worked for Marconi Defense Systems. Bowden, 46, was considered an expert on computer-controlled aircrafts. Uh, police ruled his fatal car crash the result of his having been drinking, but family and friends denied the allegations. Um, I don't know, gentlemen. I think, you know, drinking and driving kind of spells itself out there for me. Um, what do you guys think about that one? Don't know enough about what his history with alcohol is. Um, yeah. You could be able to say that, you know, uh, he cracked he cracked up, all the weather conditions, all of that. I mean, was it a nice sunny day and he usually never drinks and they suddenly found a lot of alcohol? That's suspicious. But I don't know know much about the details here. But yeah, drinking and driving. Uh, very I easy. Don't, I don't know. Question, very question easy to, mark. Drinking and driving is a very easy one to label common death. Very easy. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. It happens so much. You got people like this. Very high pressure jobs. A lot of people that have high pressure jobs. You know, they drink to come down. Um, and yeah, you know, his family, if his family sa says that there was a, if his family says that they were, they were, uh, suspicious, that tells me that he probably at home talked about something at work not being right. And if something at work wasn't a right, then it's more possible that he would be drinking. You know what I mean? So, uh, you know what I mean? For me in this one, I'm going to lean a little towards the drinking and driving thing. 
but I could be completely wrong, and I'm not. I'm not. I'm not stamping that on the, the certificate of death. Um, Hawk, what do you think over there? What's your well, take? I, I mean, I mean, like uh, like Ray said uh, that is not. I mean, without knowing more about the situation, you can't really. I mean, drinking and driving is definitely an easy. I mean. Honestly, if you want to get rid of somebody, I would yeah. say that's probably one of the easiest ways to do it. All you have to do is, you know, either um, crash the car, make it look like it was an accident, and then, you know, um, pour alcohol down the guy's throats, and then, you know, and, and then, you know, say, oh, it's, you know, drinking and driving. But, you know, I'm... Also, when you're doing a high-stress job like that, um, depending on the person, his, you know, a mental state, you know, maybe he was just having a bad day, wanted to unwind and, you know, took the, uh, decided to, you know, take a ride home without uh, thinking about the consequences. The brakes could have been cut, you know, mechanical problems like that. Uh, to add to the drinking thing, you are working. You are working at a place developing war weapons, which yeah. could probably weigh in on you to a degree. I believe the, the dude who made the atomic bomb, I think, killed himself. I what think. Oppenheimer? Yeah, didn't he? I don't know. I'd have to have to check. I, I didn't think he did, but or he I lost mean, his lost his mind. Didn't he have some weird dark ending? I think he, I, I know I know that he definitely I mean uh, he it definitely weighed on him uh, after seeing what he has created. He, well, why else? Why else would you make an atomic bomb though? Well, it's I it's mean complicated <laughs> complicated characters sounds like. Well, I I mean I mean the thing is honestly uh, which uh, it, I I know it's funny taking a line from a movie. Yeah. But I think this line uh, that um, Jeff Goldblum is in uh, Malcolm in Jurassic Park says that you're so busy wondering whether you could do it, you didn't really think whether you should do it. And I honestly think that line really sums up a lot of scientists' mentality. Where so I mean, the scientists' mentality I always find from those. I've talked to that have more of a science, you know, background is the fact that when someone gives them a problem, they want to figure out how to do the problem, how to find the answer. And the question is that a lot of times I don't think they sit down and think whether they should be going down this line and whether they should be, you know, uh, trying to find the answer. I mean, for example, why? I mean, it, it'd be cool to uh, see a real life dinosaur, but honestly, why would anyone actually create a real life dinosaur in reality? It, it's it's they they want for to a pet? Re- for a pet, obviously. Oh come on! I mean, I mean, honestly, I mean, I love Jurassic Park, but the whole idea about you know like. Engineering dinosaurs to be real is is is, is ridiculous, but the, but there's a lot of people like uh, that have the same mentality when it comes to artificial intelligence, where 
they're like, we want to see if we can make this happen. And then, of course, no one's sitting back thinking, well, if we actually are able to make artificial intelligence and, and they can start thinking for themselves, I mean, we've got countless movies showing that, you know, if, if, if our machines start thinking for themselves, then what do they need us for? <laughs> Dinosaurs are really only just like a different species of like a reptile or they claim to be a bird. They claim they were, they were like reptiles with feathers. Yeah. But, so they're not that far off. Yeah. Well, I mean, like I said, the whole point I'm trying to get at is that there's, I mean, there's a lot of times where I think people are too excited about the possibility of making something happen. They don't think about the repercussions of what happens after they create it. Right. Yeah. You're right. You're right. Uh, what do you think, Ray? Well, I agree with you. I call it science tunnel vision. They're just so, so focused on getting this thing done. They don't think of what's going to happen down the line, what the consequences are going to be. And I think on the other side, you may have scientists that are given all this money in this, uh, to do a particular project. They get excited, and then later on, it's hijacked by the government and turned into a weapon. Yeah. And it can it can go both ways, but the idea of you know just because you can do it doesn't mean you should. But if if your whole life has been trying to do it, yeah, you're not even considering what the consequences are or what might happen. Yeah. Well, I mean, when you're making a bomb, you probably know you're making a bomb. It was probably just one of those things where it was like, hey, we got these scientists that can do this. If you don't take the money, the next guy's got to. So he just took it. You know what I mean? I think that somewhere in there with Oppenheimer, he probably didn't realize exactly how powerful it would be and what it would, and, uh, you know, like, I think it was, he made some uh, statement after he saw the first one, which uh, more or less less equated to, you know, this is the end of the world sort of thing. I forgot what the statement was. I love that quote. I am the killer of worlds. That quote. Yeah. That that is heavy. That is a heavy quote. Yeah. I mean, he expected something. I think it far exceeded from what what he expected. And all of a sudden, that was he like, oh, no. (laughs) What did I do? That quote always reminds me of, like, God. You know what I mean? Because it's just not that he's God or anything, but just the heaviness of that. Because of what he's done and how many people died from his his creation, you know what I mean? Like the rule is like a rule, like a like a real weird ruler of worlds type vibe, where my creation killed, you know, all these people. Weird. That it's probably going to be one of the eeriest sound bites that's out there. And he's so just the way he talks is so it's weird and and. and, and his choice of words is just devastating. That I am the killer of worlds line or whatever that line is. Yeah. Devastating. Devastating. And then knowing the knowing the subject matter he's speaking of when saying that is like gives me goosebumps. It's crazy. So uh moving into our next gentleman. Uh Roger Hill, March nineteen eighty five. Hill forty nine. Approaching the Alexander Hawk age. An actor never tells his age. Forget I said that. Um, He was a radar designer with uh, Marconi. Uh, His death uh, from shotgun blast was ruled a suicide by the coroner. You know, another. uh, I'm going to jump with you guys and not be so quick to just say everything was 
is what they said it was. Uh, everybody knows from the Kurt Cobain situation that you could blow your face off and not actually be the one blowing your face off. So, situation like this, very tough. Another one, another death, suicide deaths are very difficult to be able to pinpoint something like that. Yeah. You know, and the only thing more difficult is like the heart attack thing where you can't, hey, he was a little overweight or fuck, act of God. You know what I mean? Like you can't, like health is one of those things you can't pinpoint. You know what I mean? Hey, hey, You're about I just, to say something. I want, I want to just say uh, for the record, Yo. if I die from a heart attack, it's because they rubbed me out. It's from the French fries. Yeah. Hawks like, if I die from a heart attack, it's the French fries. It's the chili fries, kid. Yeah. Well, I have to say, I, I mean, I understand when it comes to suicide, I mean, sometimes it, it, it's extremely hard to, you know, whether it's, it's on the up and up. Yeah. Um, but I always find it amazing when it comes to when they decide to kill themselves with a shotgun. Right. I mean, it's now I just, I mean, you can do it. I'm not saying you can't kill yourself with a shotgun. We don't recommend it, but you can, it can be done. But, but I mean, it's definitely probably one of the most awkward ways in guns to kill yourself with. I don't I mean, know if I'd say that. What, what do you think, Ray? I mean, am, am I whistling Dixie on this? Well, you'd need a short, a short barrel, if not a, not a uh, sort off, at least what's called a youth barrel. Because otherwise, the reach on the shotgun, on most shotguns, you'd, you'd have to be well over, I don't know, uh, never mind six feet. You'd have to be closer to six five and stuff to have the arm reach to be able to point that thing at your head and still do that trigger. I mean, pistols are easy yeah. in comparison, but a shotgun is, uh, they're not small. And it's, it's not e- easy to pull that trigger, any long barrel rifle or shotgun. It's not easy to pull that that trigger and aim it at the same time but at yourself. Yeah. I, t- I agree with both of you on that. I wouldn't say that it's like, um, I don't know the right word to use. Uh, uncom- you said, you, you, Hawk, you said that you thought it was weird that it would, that he used the shock. I mean, realistically, well, if you're going to do the trick, you're going to want to use a bigger gauge type deal where you're not, well, you know, I there's mean, really I, no coming back from that. You know what I mean? Well, I, 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 I understand that. I understand that respect, right. but yeah. it's kind of like, you know, I, any, I, it's. But if you're, if you and Ray are, if you're talking about with, if you're both, you and Ray are talking about the, the distance thing of the, the awkwardness of holding it, yeah. I agree with you. I agree with you guys completely on that, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I mean, the thing is that I'm not saying that I'm, I'm an expert when it comes to firearms, but there's a lot of, um, handguns and smaller guns that are uh, big calibers right. that you can definitely, you know, as you said, you know, you want to make sure that, you know, it's a, you don't feel anything and, and, and you're gone. You want to make sure it's a wrap. Pick yeah, you want to make you want to make sure it's a wrap. Check the gate. You, I yeah. mean, you can definitely find a handgun that will do that. Which is not like you know no. you're you know, you're backing up. You have to have your toe on the trigger and then position it like this. Fuck! I'm very uncomfortable. You doing that movement? Don't do that, please. Like this. <laughs> <laughs> but 
But yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, the thing is, yes, it's definitely possible, and I'm sure yeah. people have done it. But it's For one sure. of those things where, whenever I see, uh, like, you know, whether it's a true crime story or whether it's it's fake on TV, you know, I'll, I'm just like, you know, really. I mean, I mean, if if you want to kill yourself, okay. The thing you want to do is you want to make sure that it's as, as quick and, and painless as humanly possible. Yeah. And you want it to be easy. Okay? I mean, the thing is that with the shark, you're trying to do that, you can easily just move it and end up blowing off half your face and still be, you know, <laughs> alive for a few minutes after in excruciating pain. I mean... Let's not get into picking hairs about what the best weapon to blow your head off is. Wait. <laughs> But well, I'm not going to pick hairs, but I'm going to say if you have a good knowledge of anatomy, you can make it quick and easy with almost anything. Yeah, it's one of those deals. Uh, okay. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry, but we have gone into a very deep, dark subject. Uh, sorry about that. So, yeah, but the, the, this is always a tricky book. It really depends on what was what the dude was going through. You know what I mean? It can yeah. be done. I feel like realistically, the way you're gonna crit, you're not gonna hold it. You're not gonna hold the fucking shotgun out like you're playing a flute. You know what I mean? No, no. But- the, you're probably gonna be sitting down with it, like between your legs, maybe in a chair or something, so the barrels, the butt of it's on the floor, not to paint a fucking picture for anybody. And I'm sure that the paint me a picture. Paint me a friggin' picture, man. Because uh, the best of me picture, the Bjork. Yeah. Um, the, uh, but yeah, it's like one of those things and, you know, people aren't going for comfort. They're going, they're, they're, they want to leave. They want to depart. They see that door closing and they're running. They're running with their ticket in their hand type deal. It's not like they're worried about making sure that it works. Um, but I do think that out of all the different ways, it probably is the most, probably the quickest, even though I do feel that nothing's quick. You know what I mean? I do feel like no matter what happens, no matter what your body looks like, you're still chilling. You're still, you're still, you're still enduring for, uh, for a little bit of that. Um, but I do like, I feel like it probably, uh, on paper, it looks like the quickest, most least painful way, uh, to go. Um, but yeah. Yeah, so, but, it, but, it, but it's one of those questionable things. And suicide has such a, a dark thing around it to begin with that nobody talks about it when it happens. So, like, the fact that it'd be labeled a suicide is even more reason why people wouldn't talk about it. You know what I mean? So, uh, moving into Jonathan Wash, a uh, boy. November 1985, a digital communications expert who worked at a British tele, uh, telecom secret research center in... Suffolk, Jonathan Wash, 29, fell to his death from a hotel room in Abidjan on the Ivory Coast. 29, young, um, you know, very young, you know, when I um, fell out of from a hotel room, you know, that could be suicide. I don't know why that wasn't quite. That could have been accidental. That could have been deliberate. Uh, I, have I, been I, have, I have I have one question. Yes. Was he into parkour? You're an animal. <laughs> you are. You've, you've crossed the line. Parkour, 
He was the he was the he was the originator of parkour. He was the godfather yeah. of parkour. Yeah, I I mean I mean. I mean, without knowing more about it, I mean, I mean, when you're dealing with someone that young, I mean, suicide, of course, can hit you at any age. Right. It's, also partying. You could have been out there partying, hanging hanging off the balcony, you know? Yeah, yeah. Which, I which mean... I think people, I think they're, I think when people are on top of the world like that, um, like he obviously was, he probably had the job of his dreams and was living his life the way he wanted to do it. Um, I think when people are on top of the world like that and they're partying, I think that they like to lean over that ledge and hold on to the banister and just go, wow, uh, look how much I'm dangling my life here. Like, it's an extreme excitement for him. So it's very possible that he could have just been fucking around partying, leaning over and lost his balance, and then that's it. You know what I mean? But who's this? Yeah, somebody just uh, fucking a buddy could have just as easily thrown him over, you know, like Ace Ventura. Yeah, I, I mean, I mean, I mean, the thing is, when when yeah, it's you know, so I yeah, we, we got a big list. We got a we do got a big list, gentlemen. So the um, what do you, Ray? You got an opinion on that one? Well, just just quickly, what I'm suspicious of is the location. Was far away from home or anything else. He's on the Ivory Coast. That's an easy spot to get rid of them. Very few questions asked. Yeah, with suicide, boom, you're done. You know, there's yeah, there's, there's a lot of people that let's let's 29 heartbreak could be heartbreak. You know what I mean? Could be a dude that has everything in the world in his eyes, lost a girl he loved, says I don't want to be alive anymore. I'm gonna take a vacation to a nice place, and at the end of the vacation, I'm gonna jump out the fucking window and kill myself. That's very possible too. But moving next into uh, the Mai Dalahuka, Dalahai, August 1986. I'm not going to say his name again, but he was 24 uh, and responsible for testing computer control systems at Marconi Underwater Systems. His 240-foot fall from Clifton Suspension Bridge in Bristol was ruled a suicide. A lot of falling going on around here, huh? Yeah, I, I mean, and now all these people are, are, are pretty much working for the same company, right? Yeah, this is all for those two those two companies. Yeah, I mean, I mean, to be perfectly honest, I mean, I, I am starting to see a trend here that you know, I mean, all these suicides, you know, accidents. But I mean, that's, it's, it's, it's a high-stress job. You know, it's just like like with Wall Street. Like, the suicide level for people that work on Wall Street is high because it's, it's the stress levels of it. And you could be on top of the world one day in a pile of garbage the next day and never come back from that pile of garbage. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. Well, I mean, the thing is, honestly, um, what I would do is look at... Uh, uh, that uh, company and that indu- uh, industry during that time, yeah. and look at other companies at the same time doing the same type of work, and see, you know, uh, do statistics of trying to see uh, how many people you know ended up committing suicide or ended up dying under any kind of you know abnormal circumstances or not natural circumstances. And maybe, you know, we'll find a 
whether it's about on par with with everything or whether it's actually a bit abnormal. Well, we have here Boombastic Air Travel Services. Um, there's a bunch of uh, uh, bodies on this one, too. Yeah, it's it's. I, I'm starting to think that I think you know the depression of the this high in demand. I bet the bosses all treat you like garbage, big time. You're in your 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 worry of losing your 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 job and your your beautiful lifestyle that you've come accustomed to. I think it's just not to mention your 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 job is creating things that aren't exactly the best things for humanity. Um, which I've I think no matter how cold you are. There'll be certain days that'll weigh in on you. Um, next up, Arshad Sharif, October 1986. Sharif, 26, another young guy, allegedly committed suicide in a particularly bizarre manner by looping uh, a ligature around his neck, tying the other end to a tree, then driving off in his car with the accelerator pedal pushed to the floor. Sharif had been working on satellite detection systems for submarines. All right. Well, I gotta say, honestly, I'm I, I'm giving that guy credit for probably the most elaborate yeah. and ingenious suicide attempt. Uh, I mean, suicide uh, um, ever. That, yeah, that's that's. That's I mean, I, I mean, now, now that's a suicide for an engineer. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's like, uh, could you could you imagine if you were if, if this dude didn't kill himself and imagine just be like getting in your car, like I, I, this is what I picture. He was in a car. Somebody else was in there with him. There was some jackass, like a fucking like jackass TV show, like, Hi, I'm Johnny Knoxville. This is jackass type shit. And they, they connected, like, a fucking loop to his necklace, and he took off. And then once she hit the fucking destination point where that loop stopped, like, it just ripped his fucking head off or whatever. Um, very weird. Why? And this is one of those weird deals, like, if you were... I understand that within su- the, the 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 place of suicide, there's a lot of self hatred um, and anger um, at yourself. So, like, I could I could understand people almost wanting to have a little bit of pain with it to a degree, just you know, in the darkness of what it is. Um, but that's really dark, man. That's a lot. That's really elaborate. Yeah, I mean, it's oh, unless uh, you know. Someone was uh, uh, sent out to take him out, and and it, in the middle of it, everything went to hell. And the only way to explain huh, how he uh, his body looks the way it was was this elaborate thing that they all cooked up. Because I mean, it's like, I mean, it, I understand. I mean, when when you, you you have a certain kind of depression and and uh, and and all that. Um, we're wild, Ray. What do you think of that? What do you think of that whole deal? Too many questions on that one. There, if you take someone that young and that smart, what are they going to pick a painful, crazy way to do it? And yeah, I I think that you know maybe someone did try to get rid of them. It didn't go exactly right, so they decided to uh, use a car to stage a lynching out of a car instead of off a horse. 
maybe he maybe he thought that would be the quickest way because I mean that real that would you know when, when people hang themselves you know there's all there's the risk of not of not breaking your neck and, and then having to suffocate out there's that ugly, yeah that, that ugly. Mean, but with this it's almost like it's broken like that there, there's there's really no it's so extreme you know what I mean but at that point why don't you just drive into a wall or jump off a building type deal you know yeah, I mean that that it is a very uh, elaborate way of, of oh, yeah. doing it. It's almost I mean, like he's trying to prove a point with it. Like maybe, well, you may, maybe, he, maybe he was trying to uh, prove like uh, some kind of um, you know something to someone. <laughs> it just went horribly wrong. I mean, I don't know. I mean, you know, ju- ju- maybe a broken heart situation. There's a lot maybe, easier ways to maybe go. There was, yeah, no, I agree. Um, and they may be like that. That there was significance to to the to the rope situation, you know, like a ring. Like I don't know, mm. I don't know, I maybe. don't know. So, Doctor John Britton, January 1987, a respected scientist involved in top secret work. Uh, Britton, 52, was found dead from carbon monoxide poisoning in his garage after he returned from a trip uh, to the United States. Maybe he found out that uh, he was going to be fired and just didn't want to do it? or Well, I mean, honestly, carbon monoxide poisoning probably is uh, one of the um, <laughs> best ways to go. Yeah, not, that we, not that we encourage any of that stuff. Yeah, we don't uh, encourage. But, yeah, I mean. I have to agree, yeah. Yeah, Ray. What do you? What's your take on this deal? Well, he suddenly comes back from a trip and offs himself. Maybe something happened on that trip that uh, he pissed somebody off. I'd say and for sure. Yeah, yeah. And that that also is not only a way a person can go; it's a fairly easy way to do somebody render them unconscious with something that's uh, hardly traceable or not traceable, and then just uh, lock them in a the garage, turn it on, walk away. Boom. Oh, yeah, the guy was depressed. Not. He uh, just, uh, it went wrong, and uh, they shut him up. They did him. It's true. Like we said, you know, the, you know, suicide is, you know, a murder could very, if you, if you plan it, could very easily be, you know, misconstrued, or, or you could make it look. I didn't even want to say. Halfway through that sentence, I didn't even want to go into it. Um, but, yeah, you could easily make something look like something it isn't. Um, Dave, David Skeels, February 1987, an engineer with Marconi. Skeels was 43, young man still, uh, was found dead in his car with a hose pipe connected to the exhaust. So he did the carbon monoxide dance too. Um, well, he learned from, uh, from the other guy. <laughs> I know it's funny. It's like you have that really fucking bad one of the dude in the car pulling his head off driving and then you have that it was followed up with like the two softest ones like they were like yeah, all right we can take yeah can, yeah it, it, he it, took it, enough for everybody he went out hard enough for everybody he went out hard man he went out hard well you know i think another thing too is mark corny was starting to get noticed because their guys were jumping off off of balconies and stuff so they had to come up with a different way hey the show off yeah. So it's, it's kind of like they're, they're starting to suspect this next guy gets the carbon monoxide. 
in a weird game where life don't mean anything, they would start to eventually joke about whose whose group could have the best suicides, probably. Yeah. Um. Peter Pipel, February 1987. Pipel, 46, had been working, another 40s, uh, had been working with various um, metals and their resistance to explosives when he was found dead in his garage, another carbon monoxide poisoning. Oh, I'm I'm starting to see a trend, you know. They they were trying to, uh, uh, you know, uh, 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 do... uh, kind of um, big uh, suicides. You got the shotgun blast. You got them jumping out of windows. You got uh, the, 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 the outlandish one of driving the car and hanging themselves. Now they're like, you know what? I'm tired of all this crazy stuff. Let's just keep it simple. Let's just do monoxide poisoning for the rest. It is yeah. very weird. It is very weird, you know. Well, I think what's really weird is that now you've got three exact type of suicides in a row. Yeah. I mean, it it it's it seems like, you know, they they've uh, brought in some extra help that's like, hey, this do it easy, this do it simple. Let's not, you know, draw any more attention to. Because I mean, things like shotgun to face the the, the driving of the car and hanging yourself and jumping out of windows, those are, you know, things that bring attention, okay? Mm-hmm. Even if it's ruled a suicide, right. it brings attention to... They make a big splash, yeah, if you will. Literally, a big yeah. splash. But, you know, uh, carbon monoxide poisoning as a suicide, it's it's a sleeper. I mean, no one's... No one's, it, it, people will be like, oh, okay. <laughs> It's a sleeper, dude. It's, it's a sleeper, much. man. You're you fucking know? too much. You're crazy. But yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, I'm, I'm starting to see a theme here. And now, now the question I have to ask is the next guy on the list, is he also monoxide poisoning? No, it's a female, and it, this gets wild. This gets a little crazy. Oh, they get bored with the monoxide poisoning. What's the next one? Um, it's called monoxide sh- monoxide schwa monoxide schwa monoxide schwa monoxide schwa yeah okay uh, Shani Warren April nineteen eighty seven in order for the verdict of suicide to be fulfilled in the case of Warren twenty six she had to be capable of tying her feet with a rope binding her hands behind her back gagging herself with a noose around her neck then wobbling to a small lake and drowning herself in 18 inches of water. Four weeks after her death, G.E.C. Marconi took over Microscope, the small company in which she had served as personal assistant. Okay, yeah, that was... She, she's rubbed out. Rubbed out. That, that, well, that's definitely fucking... That, yeah, that, that, is, that, is, that is no suicide. That is... Uh-uh. That's the ones you always hear about, like the weird ones where they call it suicide when they're like their arms are tied to their feet and then they they like shoot themselves eighteen times in the head. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm sorry, but yeah, yeah, I mean, rest in peace. I'm gonna holler rest in peace at all the people, especially yeah. her, because that one definitely seems like something's up. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I mean, if I mean all the other ones, you kind of, kind of. 
maybe try to say, oh, it's because of the high-stress job and all that. But no, this one, she was definitely, un unfortunately, this poor girl was murdered. I mean, it, no one's going to do all that to yourself to just kill yourself in a painful way. I mean, drowning is a painful way to die. I uh, wonder if, yeah, it is. They say it's peaceful. I wonder if she was pregnant. That detail's not in there. If she was pregnant, you could almost wonder if maybe a married doctor or something maybe had a fling with her and needed her to go away. Type. Well, I mean, you said that she was what, a personal uh, assistant to uh, uh, like a company that Marconi like, took over? Uh, after she died, they took over. She was a personal assistant, so she wasn't high up, but she would know. She probably would hear a certain certain thing. She probably wouldn't shouldn't shouldn't have heard. Yeah, I mean, but with a personal assistant, I mean, you, I mean, she could have picked up a memo she wasn't supposed to saw something she shouldn't have, and then you know she they're like, she well, had they a relationship with whoever she was the assistant of, and then yeah. then maybe. Well, I, I mean, I think I think it's very, you know, questionable that, you know, Marconi, you know, takes over the, the company that she was working at, like, right after she passed away. It's not so, Josh Whedon's assistant, right? Oh. No, I don't think so. Ah. The, only, the only way that was a suicide is if her last name had been Houdini. Otherwise, yeah. no. I feel bad for that girl. That's, that's tragic, man. Yeah. That's sad. That's really sad. And like the fact that they they called that a suicide. I'm always horrified for the families. Imagine imagine being a parent and one of your kids goes dies this way, and it's just like they go, "Oh, suicide." You know what I mean? Oh, suicide. It's like, are you out of your fucking mind? Yeah. I don't, I don't even know how you would live with that. That's crazy. Bananas. These people. All right, we got more people. You ready? Oh, geez, how many more? More people than uh, not, you know? Oh, God. Behave yourself. You're supposed to be having fun. <laughs> All right, ready? Yeah. Russell Smith, January 1988. Smith, 23, very young, a laboratory technician with the Atomic Energy Research Establishment at Essex, uh, died of the result of a fall from a cliff uh, at Boss Castle in Cornwall. More falling, so they're going back to the falling. You know what it is? It's like that, that other one was so crazy that they were like, wow. It was, it was like they had to go back to falling, I think. Um, falling, what do you got? You guys think fallings? I mean, it's another one of those things you would need more details on, but yeah, but I mean, I mean, uh, especially like falling off a cliff. Yeah. Honestly, I mean, uh, if if you're going to use that as your way of you know taking care of someone, I mean, pushing someone over a cliff is a lot easier to swallow as either suicide or an accident than like uh, what we talked about before about people jumping out of buildings, which you know. It's still possible, but, you know, with, I mean, something about, you know, I mean, when you walk on the cliff, anything could happen. You could have stepped on a rock, slipped down, and fall down that way, or right. you could have just been pushed over. I mean, that, but, I mean, falling off a cliff is probably the 
you know, best way if you want to get rid of someone to make it look like an accident. Let I agree. Be overpowered. Ray, you were saying? No, I, I, I agree. It's a, it's a perfect cover thing because there's so many ways it can go wrong naturally that when you shove someone, no one's going to suspect. Oh, it was a fall. Mm. Yeah. Uh, next up, Alistair Beckham, August 1988, a software engineer with Plessy Defense Systems. Beckham was 50, was found electrocuted in his garden shed. I mean, I'd have to probably know a little more details on the situation and what what exactly he did that would need what he would need to be killed for. Well, I mean, now uh, what was his job again? Software engineer. Software engineer, and he gets electrocuted. Mm-hmm. Do they give you any uh, more information other than that? Nope, just that it was in his garden shed. Uh, I mean. That just—that's shocking. That's truly yeah. shocking info. Yes, yes, that is a truly shocking experience. Yeah, I don't think this one has as much info as the the young lady, unfortunately, to to kind of call uh, to be able to really choose. What do you guys think? What do you guys think? We should kind of the ones that we can't really decipher will pass over a little quicker. Yeah, I mean. Like I said, that that is something I need to see, like the crime scene photos. To, I mean, I, don't know, I mean, uh, yeah, <laughs> I got nothing. I'm sorry. What do you think, Ray? I'm suspicious of that, that one. Yeah. How do you electrocute yourself in your shed, and you're a software engineer? You should know the basics of what's going on here, and not. Not electrocute yourself. Yeah, I would like more details, but I'm suspicious. Yeah, I mean, it's fair to be suspicious. I look at it as a garden shed, so, you know, it's possible yeah. he could have watered his plants and water residue got onto a wire, or loose open wire, you know, and it was grounded and he stepped on it and did the fucking hot squat. That, you know, yeah. so I think it's a little, it could. Yeah, but I mean, I mean, like Ray said, with his, you know, uh, job profession, you'd yeah. think that he'd. I mean, we're not talking about like a seventeen-year-old kid that you know knows nothing about water and electricity. Yeah, but he's at home. He's not expecting it. He could be having he could be having some some cocktails in his garden thing. Not not even realize that you know maybe it was something that happened quick. Maybe it was something that just fell into a bad situation, fell off a wire that fell and. Boop, hit something that shouldn't have, or maybe it was something laying around on the ground, or maybe he reached for something and grabbed the wrong thing. You know, even though you're you're a, you're a professional at something, when you're home, you're off guard. You're not really thinking of stuff like that. So, like the fact that he was a pro, a software engineer, you know, I don't think would play into anything. You know what I mean? Yeah, but you also, if you're a professional, yeah. you want to be, you want to be able to cover your backside. Yeah, so if you're, yeah. inside, if you're inside a shed, uh-huh, no, one uh-huh. see, no one sees you do it. You slip out, they find them. It's an accident. Yeah, no, I agree. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, and I mean, if somebody's healthy, you can't really hit them with the heart attack thing. It's weird. Um, the whole it's a vibe. It's a weird vibe to, to to flow with because you can't really. You need more details. Like, again, I need to know why. I need to know what he was more involved in and why he would need to go away. You know. Um, next up, um, 
Did we just do Peter Ferry? No, right? I don't know. How did he die? Electrocution? Yeah, yeah, we just talked about him. No, not this one, though. Peter Ferry, August eight, eight, August, uh, August 1988, the assistant marketing director at Marconi, um, which is a pretty big gig. Uh, Peter Ferry, 60, was found electrocuted in his apartment with electrical leads in his mouth. So, oh. <laughs> so I guess it ran from the wall to his fucking face. Oh, <laughs> I'm sorry, but I mean... I mean, I'm sure they probably ruled it a suicide, I'm assuming. Um, like I said, the su- uh, electrocution is not a, wa- a way you're going to want to die either. That's a fucking ugly death. Yeah, I mean... Burning from the inside out. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, unless the guy really hated himself and wanted to go out in an extremely painful way, yeah. which, I mean, most people who are, want to commit suicide... They they just want to you know, and you know leave, yeah, leave and and probably uh, with as little pain as possible. They feel but, enough pain. That's why they're there. You know, at that place. I I'm sorry, but I mean something like that is completely hinky in my opinion. I mean, especially in his mouth, what he suddenly thought he was a a, a rat or, or a mouse and started chewing on the lines. I, he was split there. There's more of that LSD. There's more of that LSD damage. Yeah. Well, the leads, the leads in the, the leads in the mouth. Very. That one's uh, not a suicide. That's Marconi again, showing how they can shut people up. Yeah. 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 You're right. That's mafia like. You know. Yeah. Very mafia like. You got that right. That's a very good point, right? Um, Andrew Hall, September 1988. A 33-year-old was found dead of carbon monoxide poisoning in his garage. He had served as engineering manager with the British Aerospace. See, these, these seem to sound more like suicides. You know what I mean? Almost like people that got fired or knew something, knew that knew they were about to get, you know, tossed or get have to step down or, you know, lose, you know lose their branch, lower their branch. Yeah. Well, I mean, with the monoxide poisoning, I would say, I mean, I, that I, if if you really want to go out, it's probably the, you know, one of the best ways to do it. Yeah. But, I mean, I, I personally have lost count how many people we've gone to so far for this company, and it, like I said, it's, it's, uh, and some of them are, have been just crazy, and then of course some run of the mill like the monoxide poisonings, and you, you still kind of like, uh, you still just wonder, okay, what's what's going on? This, I mean, not saying it's not a high stress job, but I'm having a hard time believing that a job like this would have this many suicides. Yeah, that was kind of it for Marconi. You know, while the mysterious deaths and suicides involving microbiologists and other scientists employed Marconi's defense systems in the UK, uh, they're unsettling, unsettling, of course. You know, there's other research scientists uh, from other parts of the world that have kind of uh, fallen into the same type of situation. And these are some of those gentlemen and gentlewomen here. 
Dr. Sunal Sato. Uh, 1996, Sato, 46, a leading researcher of Alzheimer's disease, and his 13-year-old daughter were found shot to death in La Jolla, California. Police who found Sato dead behind the wheel of his car and his daughter lying outside the vehicle described the murder as professionally done. Yeah, you know, in a situation like that, it could be definitely foul play, of course, um, it could, you could look at it as, uh, what he did, the, the work that he got into got, got them killed, or you could all, maybe he did something where he owed a bookie money or something, but the fact that the daughter was killed made it incredibly personal, and even though bookies and mob type dudes can be cold hearted, like they're not for killing your family mostly, you know what I mean? Like, they're mainly, well, if we have an issue with Alex Hawk, we're going to shoot Alex Hawk. We're not going to kill, you know, whoever's with him type deal. Well, I mean, I mean it, it's... To a degree, of course. Well, but. I mean, it, it boils down. I mean, the question is whether, you know, they were going after him and she just happens to be in the car and you don't want any any witnesses. That's, that's a possibility. That's a, very, that's a very sloppy hit. If that was the case where where... He, they were taking him out, and she just happened to be there. That was very sloppy. They could have very easily waited for her to leave. It well, like. may, may, maybe they got the discounted hitman. Oh okay? my god! Get, the, the hitman you get on Craigslist. Um, You're an animal. Yeah, but I, I mean, I mean, the thing is that now you said that he was doing what Alzheimer's research, Alzheimer's research. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the thing Big is. Yeah, big but that's farm. big farm, and that goes back to the Kobe thing, where Kobe and his daughter both died together. Maybe big farms gangster like that, and they say, "Hey, guess what? We're gonna do you one better." You know what I mean? We're gonna really, you know, we're gonna really, really prove a point here. Include yeah. the include the daughter as an example to other people, right? Yeah, true. Scary shit, yo. Scary stuff. But uh, even when, when, uh, when, 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 when the, who, who, who said it was the police? When the police tell you, when the police say you look like a professional hit, it's either a professional hit or the police did it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, something like that. I mean, it definitely was, was a planned, premeditated, it, and, yeah, and like you said, I mean, unless uh, unless they got a very sloppy hitman that just, you know, or maybe the daughter was uh, was the the intended target. Maybe she, I mean, maybe she was wrapped up in something. That's a good I, point too, Alex. She could have been wrapped up and owed some money for drugs or something or upset the wrong people. You know, yeah. there's... Kids of people with big money usually find they find them when they go looking for the bad boys. They find themselves real bad boys. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, anything is possible. Or I mean, there was. I mean, I was uh, watching one of those uh, true uh, crime things where they were trying to figure out who killed this uh, this woman. Yeah. And uh, it uh, honestly, it took them about. 10 years and they found out that um, the the reason she ended up getting killed because 
the guy who killed her was to kill some uh kill uh, her downstairs neighbor and mistook uh mistook the wrong uh apartment number and she was about the same height same hair and it was dark so sounds like, like saracana yeah so i mean and that's always a possibility too. Uh, a real discounted hitman, yeah. you know, hit hit the wrong family. That's some Dollar Tree hitman shit, right there. Um, Doctor Yakov Matzner, Avashad Beckman, and Professor Amirian Elder, November twenty fourth, two thousand one. Matzner, fifty four. He's a dean of the Hebrew University. Hadassah Medical School in Jerusalem, one of the world's leading experts on blood diseases, an elder, 59, head of the Hematology Institute at Tel Aviv Ichilov Hospital, an internationally known expert on blood clotting, and Berkman, 50, uh, director of the Tel Aviv Health Department. They were killed on their way back to Israel via Switzerland when their plane came down in a dense forest two miles short of the landing field in Zurich. You know, so that could be, I mean, there's a lot of important people on that plane, but I mean, it could be a freak accident thing. You know, it's one of those deals. I'm sure there's, I'm sure there's parties that wanted all those people dead. You know what I mean? What's your take? What's your take, Alex? I any I mean, when it comes to planes going down, I mean, it could uh, could be just bad luck, um, accident, or it could be planned. I mean, I and mean, it's especially if you don't care about uh, the sanctity of life. I mean, and also if you really want to just, you know, get rid of them. And that's, uh, I don't know. What do you think, Ray? Oh, sorry, I missed that. You missed um, it? I missed it. Uh, we're talking about a, a whole plane, full, a plane full of three important doctors uh, departed, departed this plane. Um, do you think it was... Uh, I mean, it very well could have been a coincidence, but uh, what do you think? When you get three prominent doctors of importance coming back from Switzerland to Jerusalem. No, that's a hit. Yeah? Yeah. Did you make the call? <laughs> Did you put, you were very, you're very, you seem very sure on that. You were involved? No, that's, that's just too, that's just the easiest way to get a group out when they're in trouble. That's true. It's wild. Yeah, it's a crazy vibe. All right, gentlemen. Dr. Don C. Wiley, November 2001, right after, uh, you know, 9-11. Wiley, 57, one of the foremost microbiologists in the United States, was an authority on the response of the immune system to such viral attacks as those from HIV, Ebola, and influenza. Police found his rented car on a bridge outside of Memphis, Tennessee, and his body pulled from the Mississippi River on December 20th. We, what's your take for, on stuff like that? Whenever you hear of a weird story where like, a, there, there's a dude that just randomly stops somewhere, 
got out and killed themselves. You think they received bad news and just abruptly said bye? Or you think? What do you think? You think somebody actually brought them there and did them did them in? If he's if he's uh, working infectious diseases, and who knows what tie-in there may be to the military, a big farm mm. and stuff like that, and he ends up in a lake. Somebody did him. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the thing is that, you know, that that just it, that just screams, you know, foul play right there. Yeah. I mean, it's true, man. All right. Dr. Robert M. Schwartz, December 2001, an expert in DNA sequencing in patho- pathogenetic microorganisms and a founding member of the Virginia Biotechnology Association. Schwartz, 57, was stabbed and slashed by a sword in his farmhouse in Leesenburg, Virginia. His daughter, Clara, a pagan high priestess, and a number of her fellow pagans were charged. In 2003, Clara was convicted of murder and sentenced to 48 years. Kyle Hubert uh, was given life without parole. Michael Paul Pfohl, 21 years. And Catherine Inglis was given 12 months. So she must have been driving the car or something or just hanging. She must have been the one rolling joints. That must have been her participation. Um, Yeah, you think that's just a situation of, uh, you know, kids with too much money running around doing crazy things, taking drugs, thinking they're fucking uh, witches and warlocks? Well, I mean, now what? What was his job again? He was a DNA sequencing uh, and pathogenetic microorganisms expert uh, and a founding member of the Virginia Biotechnology Association. So he was uh, mm-hmm. he was a founding member of big De- big deal stuff as well as worked in two different. Uh, well, I mean, I mean, with that, it's I'm. Without knowing more about the situation with all of them, yeah, uh, it could very simply be just that the uh, his daughter, the pagan priestess, and her buddies were just fall guys. Because, I mean, it, I mean, I mean, when you're dealing with, um, I mean, all you have to do is like, oh, they're the the these pagan heathens, and then you know it's so easy just to brush them with one stroke and. Especially the way he gets killed with, you know, being, you know, slashed with a sword and and, and all that, which is, you know, quite. It, it's it's not like any standard, <laughs> um, a way of being dispatched. So, I uh, it, it it could be just simply as you say, uh, uh, kids with too much time on the head. Maybe they, you know, gone to. Some drugs and went a little crazy, or they were just patsies, which is a very big possibility because all you have to do uh, a lot of times is just throw around either the word pagan or throw around the word Satanist, mm-hmm. and people, of course, automatically think the worst of those people, whether they deserve to be thought that way or not. Right. What do you think, Ray? I think that uh, with the work he did, the kids, yeah, they took the fall. I don't think that they, uh, 
I don't think they did it. I mean, he's, he's talking pathogens and DNA, and he's talking about some high level high level stuff there. That uh, yeah, no, I'd say the uh, kid the kids took the fall. Yeah. Do you think there's any way that um, you think there's any way that they, they maybe the, the the daughter and her friends didn't see eye to eye with his work? And what he did and maybe wanted to like sacrifice him that they create some crazy stuff you think that's completely out of the question or which is what they're trying to make people think that the, the possibility is I think they're trying to make them that way I yeah. really I yeah. really don't think I think the kids were probably enjoying a good life had the luxury to explore that lifestyle and somebody wanted him out hmm. interesting yeah, I mean, that's another one of those things, you know, you, 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 every now and then you'll hear in the media, in the news, you'll hear of, like, a, a kid that's just, like, supposedly a bad apple that, like, will kill his parents, you know what I mean, or whatever, like a, a boyfriend helping a girlfriend, you know, kill the kill the father that won't let him see her type deal, you know. Um, Dr. Nijin Van Set, December 2001. Um, Set was 44. He had just received international acclaim for discovering a virus that could be modified to affect smallpox when he accidentally entered an airlock storage lab and died from exposure to nitrogen. I I wonder what the death, what exposure to nitrogen death would be. Anybody have any idea on that? How you would die, like what exactly would happen? Uh, I don't, I mean, I mean, it's, I have a hard time, uh, believing that someone who has such experience with pathogens and viruses and all that would have made such uh, a rookie mistake, I guess. I mean, getting himself accidentally locked into that kind of, um, and be in that kind of situation. I'd say that'd be kind of, you know, questionable. Yeah. Uh, and especially, I mean, we're not talking about some lab assistant that's, you know, you know, might, you know, have been lazy or, or, or made a mistake. Um, yeah, I, I, I mean, I don't know about, about the, uh, uh, the causes or whatever of, of nitrogen, but... There has to be something more to that. I mean, unless there was, like, a glitch in, like, the computer system that, like, locked the door when and wouldn't open, and that's how, how it happened. I mean, that's the only type of accident I would now, say. It's, that- it's 2001, too, I mean. I know, they have the, I know that they have a, more technology than the public has, but you think that they would have something that would... Lock behind, come you know, lock behind you uh, to the point where you couldn't get out. That's the thing. I mean, yeah, you could say you could go into yeah, the freezer I, I, and the door could shut behind you, but you yeah, have well, to be by I mean, yourself. I mean, and, like I said, unless there was like a real like problem with the uh, the computer. I mean, you get a virus in the system, and you know, and maybe lock the door. But I mean, I can't see him accidentally uh, doing that. It has to either be, you know, planned uh, or foul play. Uh, the only or the, an issue with the computer system 
yeah. are the locks. Right. I and mean, that's the only way, because I can't see someone of that renown and that, you know, uh, level mm-hmm. being uh, so careless to make that mistake. Right. And I don't know. Uh, what do you think, Ray? No, I don't think it was a mistake. I think they wanted to get rid of him. I mean, yeah, yeah, nitrogen's dangerous to begin with, particularly since usually how it's transported is at these uh, ridiculous uh, low temperatures and stuff. It's deadly. Uh, no, you, I don't. I don't think there's a mistake in there. I think someone just uh, got tired of him, decided to use his own science against them. I assume there should there would be cameras in this place by 2001. Yeah, but I mean, if they. The thing is, they'd have cameras, and if they said that they that the cameras were off, then that's definitely a. a well, I know that. I know that. I, I I'm surprised it wasn't in the in there because that that would be the time for stuff like that to be. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, February 2002, Doctor Victor Kozhinov, Kozhinov 56, an expert in intestinal bacteria in children was clubbed to death near his Moscow home. Yes, yes, he 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 he, uh, he took himself by clubbing himself. Um yeah, it's weird. I don't know. Um this could be a mixture of anything, you know, when you deal with kids like that, it could be anything from just a parent who have a kid who passed away that think you didn't do your job good enough that will come and murder you, and that's how you get clubbing's a very personal murder. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's not, you know, up close. It's up close and personal, very physical. Um, you have that. You know, maybe. You know, I've heard from time to time some doctors can have an attitude or a, a presence about where they happen to think they're better than other people. Um, and sometimes there's people in this world that don't like people that feel that way. Another thing that could have got him clubbed. Um, I'm not saying that it was right by any means. You know what I mean? Um, I, yeah, I, I agree. That's personal and that's something that yeah, a parent would do to make the guy suffer is uh, beat the crap out of him with a club. That That sounds more like a personal thing. Yeah, and it's like, uh, yeah, because otherwise, I mean, you could have maybe a robbery um, type deal where you get, it depends on how deep club to death means. Club club could probably be anything from a good pop over the head with with something that cracks open your head and you die to anything from them just demolishing your head until it was done, you know what I mean? Which, if it was demolished, that's definitely... Personal, and I'd say a parent thing. Probably a parent, and even if he was a great doctor, people go through all types of when they're going through, you know, the grieving process. They're feeling all those emotions, and if they feel at all like you didn't do what you could have done, right? There's enough in their mind to kill you. You know what I mean? And then you have all that anger from what from the loss taking it out on you. Then it would be very, it'd be probably a very violent death like that. So I think. I think I'm probably going to go along the lines with that. And it's unfortunate because maybe it was out of his hands. But when you're in that, when you're in that world and you dabble in that business with kids, um, and the, you know, and, and kids pass away, it's a very, 
that business is so difficult for so many reasons because you got to get to know these kids, care about them, and lose them. And, and then, like, and, and these parents that you can't, you almost can't even blame the parent because they're just lost. And, uh, you know, they're looking for somebody to blame. Um, and, you know, it is what it is. Sometimes they're just, they're, they're somebody, no, sometimes nobody's to blame. Um, a lot of the time, nobody's to blame. But that's what I think that is. Hawk, I, me and Ray kind of agree. What do you think you agree with me and Ray on that? Well, I agree that um, I'm, uh, clubbing is definitely, I would say, uh, a, a more personal attack. Yeah. And also going with you, I mean, depends on what they mean by clubbing. Uh, one uh, uh, quick uh, club to the head uh, could be a, a robbery gone wrong. But if it's like, you know, he's totally demolished by clubbing, then, you know, it definitely was a personal attack. Whether it had to do with his profession or whether it was something else more in his personal life, that's also a possibility. Yeah, I mean, it could be, it really could be anything. He could have been having a premarital affair and the husband or whatever found out about it of the wife and didn't, didn't appreciate that and wanted to bring him out to the club. To celebrate. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, Ian Langford, February 2002, recognized as an expert in environmental diseases. Langford, 40, uh, was found dead in his home near Norwich, England, naked from the waist down and stuffed under a chair. That's fucked up. That's very weird. That's weird. Yeah. That's so weird. That's the stuffed under a chair part is the creepiest part of that whole deal. Not even the not even his fucking dead dick flapping out. That's not even the creepiest part. Him being stuffed under a chair is very creepy. Like he's trying yeah. to be hidden or something. Crazy. Yeah, I mean with, you know, of uh, him being naked from the waist down and then of course the weird uh where they found the body. Yeah. I would definitely say that, you know, this probably was a very personal and probably a sexual situation, right. whether it was an attack because of something he did, you know, terrible to someone sexually, or whether um, he was in the middle of some kind of weird sex game and shit went wrong. I there's so many possibilities. I mean, when you're dealing with like uh, weird deaths like this, you know, there's usually some kind of sexual element. Mm -hmm. At least I think. Yeah, no, I'm with you. Some scoring no. stuff, maybe. No, I'd say uh, yeah, could also be simply uh, an angry spouse, right. an angry lover. Yeah. Yeah, when you're stuffed under a chair, you're probably not the biggest of people. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, in March... Well, it depends how big the chair is. That's true. It could be a, like a Gallagher chair from the Gallag Gallagher stage show from the 80s. <laughs> yeah, a big chair incident. Um, David Wynn Williams, March 2002. Uh, Wynn Williams, 55, died when struck by a car while jogging near his home in Cambridge, England. The respected astrobiologist had been studying microbes that might survive in outer space. 
do you guys think on that? You think that you think that somebody dealing with microbes that could survive in outer space would be somebody they would want to kill off? Um, I mean, honestly, I mean, uh, unless you're actually in the field and know all the ins and outs of all these different, um, you know, scientific professions. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure there's there's some kind of use of of this that could be used for you know, different purposes or knowledge that they have uh, found through this. And. And. And and the thing is that, and I mean the thing is being hit by a car, uh, is is definitely one that could be just a simple accident. The person got scared and just ran away, or it could have been premeditated. I mean, right. it's like the same thing as falling off a cliff. I mean, it's a very easy way of writing it off as just bad luck. Yeah. Well, that's that. I'd say that's a hit. Mm. What he, the work the work he did that's an easy way to get rid of him. Mm. Yeah. Uh, next up, Doctor Stephen Mostow, another March two thousand two, well known expert in bioterrorism of the Colorado Health Science Center. Mostow sixty three died when the airplane he was piloting crashed near Denver. Um, again, it's one of those things that could easily be chalked off as just a freak of nature thing, you know? Sounds like an an accident, depending upon where you are in Denver with the hills and the stuff and the updrafts and everything else going on. That could easily be an accident. Yeah. Hawk, you're going to agree with that, so that's pretty much an accident, probably? I mean, since he's he's flying it, and I'm assuming that he's done this before this isn't the first time yeah that yeah i would i would uh, think that he would have an understanding um that you know yeah it could very easily have been an accident uh but i mean it's it's one of those things it's another easy one that uh that can be you know yeah. either or no, i'm with you all right, um, Dr. David Kelly, July 2003. Kelly, 59, was an internationally known biological warfare weapons specialist who held a senior post at the British Ministry of Defense and who advised Prime Minister Tony Blair regarding the weapons of mass destruction allegedly held by Saddam Hussein in Iraq. He was found dead after apparently slashing his wrists in a wooded area near his home at Southmore. Oxfordshire. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's one of those things. I mean, this sounds kind of—I don't know, you know. Slashing. Well, I, I mean, I mean, slashing uh, one's wrist is definitely uh, uh, one of the telltale uh, ways of uh, getting rid of yourself. Uh, usually, from what I read, uh, they. This this is probably the first time I've I've heard of someone doing that like out in a wooded area. Usually, yeah. it's like in a bathroom or in a tub or something like that. 
Um, I mean, not saying it's not possible. It just I did. I do it in a tub of molasses. That way, if I if I if I change my mind, I put my wrist in the molasses. It's so thick, it'll stop the bleeding. <laughs> Always fill the tub with molasses. Uh, I'll 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 take you up on that. Yeah, this one just seems kind of you know, and with with, with the slit the sla- the slashed wrist thing is interesting because you feel like it, you know someone's not just gonna let you slit their wrist and chill while they bleed out. They're gonna move and there'll be a sign of some type of struggle after the fact. You know what I mean? I assume like once anybody that does that, that's how they do it. You know, you know, you're going to blunt, you know, you know, you're going to bleed. So you're not going to get freaked out by the blood and you're probably not going to jump around after the fact. I mean, if you're going to do the jumping around, you'll probably do the jumping around before. Well, I mean, I mean, I mean, the, the question uh, would then remain was if there was any drugs in the system. Yeah, I mean, if if the person was drugged uh, and all that, and make it easier to do that, and then drop them in the middle of the woods, uh, far away from you know uh, places where they can you know help themselves, that's definitely a possibility. I think the, I think the risk thing is more of a more suicide, um, more real suicide sounding, as opposed to something else. Yeah, I mean, I would, I would agree with you. Only that the location of just being out in the woods, had, uh, like I said, it just does a gel for me. I mean, if if you look at that kind of suicide, it's it's usually always, at least from what I I've read and seen, like, um, in 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 like uh, that home or in the tub or. You know, in warm water, so the, the blood flows easier. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, something something about being out out in in uh, just being in the middle of the woods. It, it to me, it just sounds like someone did it to him and just dropped him in the middle of the woods, and you know, he just floundered around until he, he passed. I mean, what do you uh, think, right? Well, men typically don't do the wrist thing. Uh, that they, they tend to shoot themselves uh, a lot. Uh, that's a, something more of what a female does rather than a, than a man. So I'm just, that and the location makes me very suspicious. That was the most gangster thing I've ever heard in my life. Real men don't cut their wrist. I'm with you, though. I hear you where you're coming from with that. Um you know, maybe he was someone that, uh, maybe he wasn't like a real manly man, you know what I mean? Every day, you know, maybe he chose, he chose, you know, then you have carbon monoxide, though. Carbon monoxide is the easiest way out. The, the rest thing's very dramatic, you know what I mean? It is a very dramatic thing. It could be, you know, it's weird. Depending on how deep the cut is, it could be something you could be saved from or not. There's a certain way that if you if done right, if done right, if if done a certain way of done, there's kind of no way of fixing the situation, and there's other ways that <clears throat> you could be found and still live. Um, but yeah, I don't know. This one, this one seems more with this. It's a more drawn out. Seems more like a real suicide to me, where he just kind of slit his wrist and just kind of sat and waited, 
that's more of like a sit and wait type deal, kind of taking taking the last few, you know, last last couple minutes of your life type deal in, in, in silence, looking around type deal, where you would get with more of a sad leaving the earth type deal. Whereas if you were uh, if they wanted to shut you up or whatever, or you, you know, that's when the shotgun. I don't know. There's something about the slashing just doesn't feel, just feels more, more real. You know what I mean? But that's probably what you're supposed to feel. All right. Robert Leslie Berghoff, November, 2003. We got a couple left. Berghoff, 45, had been on the trail of the virus that seemed to be plaguing cruise ships when on November 22nd, uh, 2003, a white van jumped the curb, struck him, and then sped on without stopping. Berghoff died an hour later. Yeah, yeah. it's crazy. It's, uh, it's In a situation like this, it's weird because, like, who? I know there's a demon out there for everybody, but, like, who really needs to kill somebody who's trying to figure out something about a virus on, on cruise ships, you know what I mean? Like, like, like a fucking, uh, like virus medication, like, like a little, little sampler packets of the company that makes those, like the two pill medications and the, they sell all their stuff on the cruise ships when the people get sick. I don't know. Like, I just don't really, I don't see a big, you know, when you always say look to whoever's getting the most out of a situation, that's usually the person behind it. I just don't really see a person, I guess, big pharma, but like, I'd I'd feel like there'd be bigger fish to fry than that. But maybe they knew where it was heading. Yeah, I mean, uh, that could be a possibility. uh, Also could be, you know, something in his personal life. I mean, the, uh, the fact that you know, first of all, is an unmarked white van. It hit him, and it just sped off. It wasn't, you know, like, you know, you know, it, it hit him, and then, you know, there was a moment of, like, realization, and then sped off. It, it, it definitely sounds like a premeditated thing. The only question is the motive behind it whether it's tied with his, his job or whether it was tied with something else. Definitely premeditated. It. Yeah, definitely premeditated. From to, go back, to go back to what I just said about why would somebody want, it doesn't seem like a big deal. I, I, I take that back because who's to say that, that whatever vaccine he was creating for that virus, who's to say that elements of that wouldn't have went on? People didn't know that elements of that would have created a bigger, would have would have healed a bigger problem that they don't want kind of healed. Yeah, you know I mean, like if, if he created this new Alexander Hawk B twenty four chemical to to fight this cruise ship thing, and then you know certain people found out that this Alexander Hawk B twenty four chemical is also a big ingredient in curing Alzheimer's. Like they're going to have an issue with that dude. So within that, make, bringing Alexander up B-24 to the surface. So, like, even though what he was messing with might not have seemed like a big world-changing thing at the time, it could have spawned off something that could have changed the world, you know what I mean? Or could have took a serious amount of money out of the pockets of, like, a big farmer thing, you know? Mm. You never know. 
You know, it's all on. And, and, and these people are watched. All these scientists are watched. The people that fund their programs are watching them. They know what they're all doing. They know what they're going towards. They have to fill out their reports to let them know where the, where the people's money is going to. So these people know where they're headed. You know, they know the destinations that they're, they're shooting for. You know what I mean? So as they approach, you know, they know everything that's kind of going to be caught up within the goals that they're, they're reaching for. So with that being said, you know, it's, de- it's definitely, I think, possible for them to almost stumble into the wrong cave, find something that they weren't even, even in a medical vaccine medicine type form and still find themselves in trouble. What do you think? Oh, yeah. And especially if you add in that white van in this case, but once, once you're into the medical and stuff, all the variations in there, the number of people that uh, times the medical is fighting the government programs and the military. Yeah, I think that uh, a lot more of them were not suicides than were. You know, we, we got we get viruses plaguing cruise ships. Didn't COVID start out on cruise ships? Wasn't that like the first place that really got hit with COVID was cruise ships? I don't know, but uh, that's a big that's a big business too. Yeah. They don't have to be uh, super elite to decide to uh, shut someone up. Who's to say that whatever was in that fixing that cruise ship virus could have been used to help help the COVID situation? You know, and I do remember when COVID first broke. I remember cruise ships being a big deal. Everybody locked on their cruise ship. They would have let people off, people dying on cruise ships. So, you know, everything's connected. I think, you know, things unravel throughout, you know, you know, decades of unraveling these big things. So I wouldn't be surprised. 2003, they were dabbling in things that were linked to COVID. Now I would, I would be surprised if they weren't, you know what I mean? Um, anybody else want to, Say anything else on that one? No, I'm good. I'm yeah, good. When you're walking down the street in a white van, jumps the curb, kills you, and, and then speeds off, it's, they're, they're killing you for a reason. It ain't an accident. Yeah. All right. Um, William T. McGuire, May 2004. The body of McGuire, 39. Uh, professor and senior program analyst at the New Jersey Institute of Technology in Newark was found in three suitcases floating in the Chicopee Bay. That was a suicide. Uh, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. That's definitely a suicide. No, he almost, almost choked on his cereal. <laughs> when you, yeah, when you're found in three suitcases, that's usually a suicide. Well, he, he was going on the trip, and you know he had three. Uh, Cases well, he, he had the money. He didn't know where he wanted to go, so he said, I'll go to all three places. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a little yeah. crazy. Yeah, there's definitely some foul play there. Yeah. Um, oh, uh, wait a minute. That's not foul play. That's triple play. That's yeah. Like play. <laughs> you got that right? That's yikes. Man, found in three suitcases floating in uh, Chesapeake Bay. That's Newark. That's Newark, New Jersey. They don't play around there. They find a lot of people hanging out in the bay down there. But, yeah, like, um, in a situation like this, I mean, I guess we can't 
not think of the fact that these people that have all these high paying jobs and high powered jobs that they that you know it's very possible that they could get tied up into the wrong people outside of what we're assuming all this is, but actually get tied up in street people, you know, whether it's maybe some bookies gambling or drugs or whatever, and that shit coming back around to get them too. You know, there's a lot of people you see with the athletes too, like Hernandez, a lot of these people that get a lot of money and they have like the, the good clean lifestyle. That's how they got their money, but they fantasize about being Tony Montana or fucking whatever. So they try and go into the underbelly, this joint and, and, and dabble in it, you know, and moonlight in uh, the edgier side of life and it catches, gets them, you know what I mean? And it's quite possibly the same thing could have happened to him because I don't think, I don't think Big Pharma puts you in a fucking three suitcases. No, no, they're, 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 they're more classy than that. Yeah, three suitcases is more of a mafia thing or a serial killer thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like when you're, de- yeah, yeah. You're, make, you're making a point when you do that. Three suitcases is weird because now, you know, that's that's instant. That's just nuts. Like, yeah, that's 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 very personal. That that was a message sent. That was a very personal message sent by professionals, like professional goons. <sighs> yeah, you know what I mean. That's like when you fuck with Alexander Hawk. So yeah, that was that's definitely uh that's very uh damn man, three suitcases. That's no good. That that one got me a little bit. Uh two thousand four May, Dr. Eugene Malove. Malove was bludgeoned to death shortly after he had published an open letter to scientists regarding free energy sources that'll get you killed in cold fusion technologies. Harvard educated the holder of these earned deck. Uh, doctorates. He spent the last 15 years of his life researching cold fusion and seeking new energy devices. Yeah, new energy is a very tricky thing. There's a lot of money in new energy. Yeah. Very, uh, very dangerous place to dance with the devil. In the pale moonlight. Yeah, exactly. In the, in the energy light. Yeah. The pale energy light. Um, yeah, like that dude... Uh, Bludgeoned to death, you know what I mean? It's tricky. That That's more of a message. That's a personal thing. You know, that's somebody telling them they didn't like his open letter. That's what that was. Yeah. He, he met the harshest critic of all. That's what happened with that. What do you guys think? Yeah, well, I, I go with you. I mean, he... Uh too much money, too much influence in the field he was in, and uh, it was sending a message. He broke the rules going with that open letter. Yeah. Yeah, there's uh, there's definitely people that don't jive with that. So, yeah, you know, you got to be careful, man. You got to be careful. Yeah, he got a little too cocky, maybe. Want to speak his mind a little too much. Even when people, are, you know... Even when people agree with you, there's a big, you know, there's a line between agreeing with you and standing next to you as you walk into the fire. You know what I mean? Like, there'll be people that'll agree 110% and even more so about something that you are fighting for, but that doesn't mean they're going to fight for it with you. You know what I mean? Yeah. I get that vibe a little bit with that. Um, 
uh, Dr. Bassem Al Mudarez, uh, July 2004. The mutilated body of Al Mudarez, a highly respected chemist, was found in Samahara, Iraq. You know, um, I guess he couldn't have been that highly respected for, you know. He, he walked into the blades. Mutilated body. No, I mean, uh, rest in peace, of course. That sucks. But it's like, a, Iraq's not an easy place to live, you know what I mean? So. I mean, there could be uh, a half a million reasons why it happened. Well, we, we look at this, and this is horrifying to read. But this is nothing new in certain places. This yeah. wouldn't bother people. You know, so kids grow up with stuff like this, you know. It gets wild, but, you know, a respected chemist, uh, which I guess chemists, you can find yourself in all different types of deals. Iraq. Iraq, I think, was big with the heroin deal. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of heroin comes out of Iraq yeah. or Afghanistan there. And um, same deal. And... Um, yeah, I mean, if he was a chemist, he might even maybe had his hand in some in, in, in drugs. You never know. You never Iraq, know, man. Iraq's also known for its oil fields. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, big trouble, man. You got to be careful. got to be careful. August 2004, Professor John Clark. Clark was head of the science lab at the Roslyn Institute in Midlothian, Scotland. That became a world-famous biotechnology research center when it cloned Dolly, the sheep. Clark was found hanging in his holiday home. Ray, what do you think about people that if they have a religious background and they dabble in that cloning deal, playing God themselves, do you think that could get to them eventually and make them kill themselves? It could, but if they're serious about it, they wouldn't dabble in it. I really think that what you might be looking at there is a case of other people who were afraid of or didn't like what he was doing. Yeah. And not necessarily a conspiracy because it was public what he did and others have done it. But they decided to stop it by stopping him. They just thought it was an abomination, so they took him out. And mm. a very weak attempt to look at a uh to make it look like a suicide. Yeah, I agree with that. What do you think, Alex? I agree that I mean that's that's a uh, a big possibility. I it's when you're dealing with things like that, um, you're going to get people that have issues with with uh, the idea of you playing God with you. Um, doing things that they think is out of our, as people's, uh, preview. Yeah. And, and a lot of people have very strong beliefs, and some of them do drastic measures to, uh, make sure their beliefs aren't threatened. Maybe Dolly the Sheep did it. Nah. He was romantically linked. Somebody died, damn it. Alex, somebody died, damn it. Don't, don't be making jokes like that. Don't you be making those fucking horrifying jokes. Those bestiality jokes. Dead. All right, Dr. Jiang H. Im, January 2005. Im, 
72, a protein chemist and retired research assistant professor at the University of Missouri, was stabbed numerous times and his body left in the trunk of his burning automobile. That's beef. That's fucking beef and biscuits right there. That's definitely personal stuff. Um, beyond a robbery, that, that's more than a robbery and a, a, a typical interaction with the hoodlum. Um, yeah, my guess is he probably, you know, I don't know who he, he upset, but he upset somebody. And uh, being stabbed and left in a trunk to die while they burn your automobile. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it that that is definitely that is definitely um, personal. That that, that is personal. Is, that is a personal thing. Yeah. Um, we got one more to go, and then we're gonna wrap it up. Is that cool with everybody? Yeah. All right. Cool beans. Uh, our last one up. Um, I, I will real quick, Ray. I assume you you feel that's personal and not a mistake as well. That isn't an accident. That's no accident. That's yeah. another three suitcase ordeal. Um, lastly, this evening, Dr. Robert J. Lowell, May 2005, a former president of both the American College of Nuclear Physicians and the San Francisco Medical Society, and an expert on the threat of nuclear terrorism. Lowell, 64, was found stabbed to death in the entryway of his hilltop home in San Francisco shortly after he had called for full BSE, which is mad cow disease testing. Uh, so that's food. That's probably what the food company? What, oh, yeah. Mad cow and all the beef and stuff. Has it got beef with that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No that, yeah, that, that definitely is. Yeah, especially when, when uh, you have someone who's calling for people to look into um, a big company and and that that has effects on a lot of people and a lot of money at stake. Yeah, that that definitely. More pun. Hmm? You said at stake. Yeah, at stake. Um. Yeah, especially. Uh, I mean, mad cow disease was a big thing, and uh, and. Yeah, I would definitely say that uh, there was some some bad shit going on with the uh, with the the the, uh, the meat people at that time. Well, well the meat thing it's it's almost it's like unions and stuff. It's almost like a hit in a way because they kill them like an animal. When you think about it, it's like when you go to a slaughterhouse. That's kind of how you would kill. You know, you have the zapper thing where you, or the thing where you, you pop their head, but. You know, a lot of the slaughterhouses would just cut the throats and stuff and all mm. that shit. So they really just kind of, you know, like the way that the pigs, you know, pigs in slaughterhouses, they cut their throat, they hang them upside down, wait for them to bleed out. It's almost like they did, almost did the same deal with him where they just, yeah. they poked him a few times, they let him bleed out like a pig, except they roasted that pig too. So horrifying shit. But that was a journey, my friends. Ray, yeah, you, you gentlemen have anything else to say about that 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 dude that, that that was trying to go against big meat and big meat fucked up his day? I, yeah, I'd say they did it and they made a public display of it, doing it in front of his house. It was a warning. Yeah, definitely a warning, man. When you when you stab somebody, 
And it's almost like, well, you know, if he did it right in front of his house, it's like, do you do it elsewhere, pull up with the car, burn the car with him in it? Or is it, I wonder if it all went down right there where they stabbed him a few times, popped him in the trunk, shot it, threw it on fire. You know what I mean? But definitely a message, to be, you know, message for sure. Um, and the, the, the crazy part is in a situation like that, the message isn't to the person dying. That message was for somebody that was alive. Yeah. So there was probably a, he had a partner or there was somebody else involved a little more important than him probably that they were they were giving him the message that you need to fucking fly straight or you're going to be in the next trunk you know what I mean so that concludes our episode on X'd out scientists you know what I mean people uh, like we said before trying to fight the good fight and, uh, and not quite working out for him as it sometimes does so, with that being said, I want to thank all you folks out there for listening. Uh, and if you, you, you're feeling like you need a little more a little more Behold the Pill podcast in your heart and minds and souls and ears, pop on to the Boombastic Media um, YouTube page for all different podcasting stuff that we do in our film stuff, as well as uh, on uh, anywhere you would listen to podcasts. We also got the Boombastic cast, mostly ghostly, and shock treatment with Mel and Maddie, which if you like this show, I bet you would enjoy those shows. Pop them on, give them a listen, and we're going to try and give you all more episodes more frequently. All right, everybody be on the lookout for... Uh, scientists don't stand too close to scientists out there we'll catch y'all on the next episode of behold a pale podcast shady warren spent good friday in her garden mowing the lawn usually she would have returned the grass cuttings to her father she didn't and was found the next day still in her gardening clothes by taplow lake hands tied behind her back feet bound, mouth gagged. Then begins a series of contradictory bits of evidence. She was alive when she went in the water and drowned, yet there were no signs of a struggle. Her personal belongings, including credit cards, were found by her car, yet there was no indication that she'd been robbed. And she was a stable girl with no signs of depression. Murder or suicide, the police can't make it out. If it's a murder, there's signs of violence or sign of a struggle. There isn't. Or if it's a suicide, which is very unusual, but we do have unusual suicides, it's unusual that there's no history of depression or suicide note. There are still several missing hours between the last time Shaney was seen and the discovery of her empty car. Shaney's car was found here in the lay-by next to the lake. Inside were two empty plastic bags which had contained grass cuttings and an Easter egg she bought for a friend. What the police want to know is where she emptied those grass cuttings and where she bought that Easter egg. You see, if she bought that Easter egg after six o'clock, then it's very significant because it means we've got an additional sighting. It may be that somebody was with her when she bought that egg. We don't know. 
the family feel very strongly that they have been needlessly distressed by the suicide theory, which has not been accepted. To Consultant psychiatrist Dr. John Hamilton, who studied her diaries after her death, said there was no hint of psychiatric illness, and he couldn't find any reason at all to suggest she would have committed suicide in such a bizarre and extraordinary way. But Dr. Benjamin Davis, the Home Office pathologist who did the post-mortem, disagreed. He said he'd seen three similar cases recently and was convinced she had tried to strangle herself before tying herself up and tumbling into the water to commit suicide. Well, from the beginning I thought this was a suicide. Uh, I, the young lady's uh, tying up of the wrists and ankles was so amateurish that I can't imagine any assailant attempting to tie up in that particular way and it obviously could have been done by Miss Warren herself and so I suggested this to the police and suggested they called in the most notable expert in this field in Britain which they did and he agreed with me 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 uh, this is a theory.